That's the trouble. I can't make up my mind. I haven't got a brain. Only straw. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. No place like home. There's no place like home. Welcome back to the Essential Films podcast, a podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest movies ever made, or the Essential Films. I'm Adolfo Acosta, who wishes he had a heart. Joined by co-host Mark Espinoza, who knows the sum of the square roots of any two sides of an isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining side. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing all right, but according to The Simpsons, it's apparently a right triangle. Is it a right so, triangle? <laughs> apparently, is that wrong? Is that it was what he says wrong? I think I think that was wrong, bro. Because God um, damn it, Homer did that exact quote when he put. So I don't know if you remember the episode where he found glasses in the toilet. So he put those on and started going through that the quote from Scarecrow, like the square root of a sixty triangle is blah, blah blah blah. And then some guy in the toilet stall next to him goes like, "It's a right triangle, you idiot! Don't." <laughs> so. <laughs> So I think he was wrong. <laughs> oh, Ray Boulder, you have disappointed me for the last time. <laughs> well, if you haven't guessed, uh, today we work up the noive to discuss The Wizard of Oz. Uh, pretty much, I, I, I mean, you know, we always say spoilers going into every episode, but I mean, if you've never watched The Wizard of Oz, are you a human being that lives on this earth? Because, I mean, who hasn't watched The Wizard of Oz by this point? It's like every generation... Starting from I think the 1950s when they first started showing it on television, I think it was part of as part of Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It hey, it, it started hey, kind of a I, Thanksgiving I don't know if tradition. TNT still does it, but like at least through a couple of years ago, they were still showing it on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and and as as we record this, I'm not sure when the episode will drop. I hope to drop it before Thanksgiving, but as we record this, we are two days out from Thanksgiving, uh, November. What is today? November the 20th. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of coincidental that we're do, we're, we're we're doing this episode now, uh, and and it has and it, the Wizard of Oz itself became kind of a Thanksgiving tradition. Right, right, and then it was through those repeat viewing. I mean, we're gonna get to like the the whole story of, of this movie because this movie was kind of a bomb when it first came out. Yeah, but it, it had was, a the, it was really but it was reborn too. through television. Yeah, it, it had a really troubled production as well. We'll get to all that. Um, but before we get to that, hopefully we get to the wacky, uh, the urban legends about that too. Oh yeah, with the uh, yeah, we'll get to that. I I, I did meant to write that down, but yeah, <laughs> uh, that 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 for the longest time persisted. But then when once you know DVD and Blu-ray showed that that stuff wasn't real, you're, it kind of disappointed you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, hopefully we can talk some Pink Floyd on this show also. Yeah, that's right. I've never done that though. I, I want to do it so bad, but I've never. I think Joe Randazzo did it. He said. Oh, <laughs> and he said it actually works. Uh, does it? Because I feel like it's one of those things that, like, you cut. Like, if you're um, under the influence, uh, which you're supposed to be when you do this, um, like it's it's the being under the influence that kind of forces your mind to make it work. Because I feel like it doesn't really work. I feel like that it's it's just like you're just making yourself believe it does. Yeah, it's one of those things that was probably like some guy was probably high one day and then just uh, he thought he heard something <laughs> matching with, with the Wizard of Oz when it really like it was just a big giant coincidence. But I mean, I want to 
believe it works. I want to do. I do want to try it one day. You want to believe? Yep. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll get into all that um, before we do. Um, so it's been a couple weeks since we left, since did our uh, exercise episode. Um, how you been doing? What have you been watching? Uh, I've been all right. Uh, I've been uh, pretty much trying to keep up with all the recent stuff. I did see uh, I did see Thor Ragnarok. I saw Murder on the Orient Express, and then just this past weekend, I checked out. Justice League, which I, I actually ended up enjoying more than uh, I thought I would. Yeah, that was kind uh, of a surprise for me, too. I was like, I walked out of that going, I didn't hate that. So, yeah. Like, and I thought I, mean, I was going to hate it. It did help that I paid zero dollars for it. because oh, I had too. one of those. Uh, I, I had a Fandango gift card. I had a uh, one of those uh, AMC movie passes that they give you when they screw up one of your screenings. So gotcha. I, I think I told you what happened. Like, I was I went to Kingsman, and they legit played the wrong movie. They played a American Assassin. Oh my gosh! Is that so the like one for with the first um, fifteen minutes? You you didn't see uh you didn't Keaton. see Kingsman. So all the people complained, and then we ended up getting passes afterwards. So like so that's <laughs> what we used to see Justice League. All right. Well, either way, I mean, even even if I would have paid money for it, I still kind of would have kind of enjoyed it. It was actually not bad. It still has a lot. I mean, we'll get into it on our Force Perspective review, but it has a it still has a lot of problems at that entire franchise has but right. it's a, it was at least entertaining and dare i say it fun unlike some of the other movies in that franchise were just so freaking serious yes and that mm-hmm. has a bit of, of whedon in that you could tell like like where whedon uh had his uh i guess where, where whedon touched the film and where Zack snyder touched the film you can, it's kind of very easy to differentiate so like, there's some very obvious scenes where like that like that was weed, that wasn't Snyder, bro. Because if it was Snyder, that wouldn't have happened. I, I kept but, I kept I kept trying to spot the where they where they uh, edited out Superman's mustache. Me too. That's what I heard. I was I seeing that tell. on Twitter all weekend, were, and I was like, I, I need to catch that. There were one or two scenes where you look where you look at Henry Cavill and you're like, his lip his lip does look a little weird there. But for the most part, like I couldn't. I I was like, I can't find it. I can find the scenes. Yeah, I, I really couldn't tell either. I don't know, maybe because I was sitting in like the last row of the theater, so like I had like that view of like you were watching on a TV screen, and you can't really tell. And, but and for, for for those who don't know, it's like the most hilarious thing. Like when I heard this news a couple months ago, I laughed. But you know, they had to go back and do reshoots uh, on Justice League with with uh, Joss Whedon, who who took over after Zack Snyder. Unfortunately, for a very bad reason, his I think his daughter committed suicide or something like yeah, that. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, so yeah. Joss Whedon kind of came in to take over the reshoots, but um, uh, and, but by that point, Henry Cavill has it was already working on uh the next Mission Impossible movie, and I guess his character has a mustache in that film, so he couldn't shave it off. So yeah, so he had to. I just want to imagine Henry Cavill with like a big mustache walking around in a Superman costume. That just the idea of that. Me up. <laughs> I'm sure there's pictures, and, and there will be pictures like oh on the gosh. on the extras on the Blu-ray. That, that's gonna be uh... on the production. Did you notice some, the costume like was actually blue? Like it wasn't that like dark navy that he's that's been in the last couple of yeah. Years. Like it was, it was actually that, a blue the costume, costume. Actually looked good this time around. It was a blue was and red costume. It wasn't that muted color that I hate so much yeah anyway enough justice league we'll, we'll get into a nip that's discussion on that our next force perspective episode but um yeah i i did enjoy that more than i thought i would but uh i know you've had to have a couple of trips to alamo draft house a couple of trips <laughs> i think since we last talked it was uh i had three uh i did go see the shining mm-hmm. over there uh, a couple weeks ago that was a that was a fun time 
Uh, I forget how trippy that movie is. Like, I haven't really seen it in a few years, so I was seeing it for the first time. It felt kind of fresh seeing it because I hadn't, like I said, just hadn't seen it in so long. And I forget how trippy that movie is. Like, <laughs> I want to, I haven't seen a Room 237, that documentary yet. I want to track it down. I thought it was on Netflix, but I guess it's not. It so was on it Netflix. They probably just, it's probably, they probably, the license probably ran out. Yeah, but I want to track that down because I really want to watch that documentary. It's a weird now. movie. It's it's a weird documentary because it's it's like all it is right is people with their little conspiracy theories talking about yeah. what their conspiracy theories are, but you never see the people like on screen. You just hear their voiceovers like during their section of of talking about why they think the movie means this, and then they just like they just show scenes of the movie playing over their voiceover uh, about what specifically they're talking about. So it's like you're basically sitting and watching The Shining and hearing a commentary track. It's really weird. And it's um, it, it's it's a, it's a very interesting movie, but there are some kooks out there. <laughs> like the, I'm the, telling the, you. The stuff I'm that people you, read into that movie is like, I don't know how you got that. <laughs> yeah, like there's a. I I read a list of some of the some of the theories out there. Like I was uh I was on the uh I was on the bus trying to get home one night, and I was like, you know what? Let me let me look at some of this stuff. And so apparently, people think that there's like you know Kubrick's talking about the Holocaust here, and he's giving hints that he directed the moon landing hoax yep. somewhere yep. else. And uh, like, there's just a whole bunch of like different theories out and, there, and it's like, how the hell did you get this from that? It's just yeah. it's very strange. It's Something about Native Americans movie. in yeah. there too, like. Oh yeah, that's a like. Yeah, that that's that's uh, a little crazy. Um, but uh, and then and then there are other things like they were they just point out like in this scene, this character walks into the frame and that he's never seen again. I'm like. Okay, and (laughs) what what is your point? It's probably just the editing mistake, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then there's a. You know what cracks me up about that film? That it's only. I I watch that movie every year around around Halloween, right? So like I I, to me I'm used to its trippiness, right? Yeah. Um, but there's one thing I've only noticed in like the last two or three, like maybe the last two times I saw it, and it's hilarious and i don't know why i missed it all those years it just went right over my head or right over like it's that scene where um the scatman Carruthers character uh yeah um, uh halloran is that his name halloran halloran um (laughs) when he's like calling to like check up on on um on the Torrance family, and he's like in his actual house. He's just got like nudie pickers up everywhere. Yes, that's <laughs> like, right. I've never that's noticed right. that before. <laughs> it's just nudie, random nudie pictures of like these chicks with afros and stuff. Yep, it's that's right, bro. <laughs> How did I miss that before? <laughs> The power of Blu-ray, I guess. <laughs> that, yeah, but that was I. I saw that again. I was like, oh, did this guy, bro? <laughs> Do I, know, I, I, I don't know what like, Kubrick. I think that was supposed to be like a like a juxtaposition or like a throwback to like an earlier scene, but like, but still, like that was like to see that just kind of like he's watching the news and he's like focusing on that one painting with she has like the big tits and everything, and then there's one above his bed with even bigger tits. It's like <laughs> so, I don't know why I'm, how I missed that so many times that I watched that movie, but it's so it's so blatant and hilarious. Yeah, uh, but, anyway, but so that was, what else did you see? That was a fun time though, and, but uh, I went to see uh, I went to see the thing also. So they had that screening last weekend, and 
I thought it was going to be just a regular screening of the thing, like no big deal, right? Uh, it was a late night screening, but however, um, before the movie started, I think the reason they were doing it is I don't know if you know this, but Mondo came out with a board game for the thing called Infection at Outpost Thirty One. I have heard, which of I that, ordered yeah. by the way. You heard about that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I ordered that game, and I, they just actually shipped it out today. So I'm hoping to have it by Thanksgiving, so I could actually play with my family for Thanksgiving. But um, so they were hawking that game in the lobby and everything. But before uh, before the movie started, they came out, they plugged the game again, and they said, "Oh, we got a little surprise for you." Um, so this was kind of last minute, but we were able to get clearance from the studio, and we have for you an old 70 millimeter print of the thing. Oh, nice. Yes, and they go like it's a little beat up, you know. And but I, <laughs> it was funny because as soon as the, the lady said it's a little beat up, I'm like, well, that's how I like it. So well, yeah, it's, it's going to add more like charm it if it's up. like grainy and, and and you know beat up. Well, was bro, it wasn't just grainy. This is the best part. It wasn't just grainy. It had like a red tint over it the entire movie. Oh, you know how? Remember that scene from Grindhouse where like in Planet Terror where like there's a red tint that goes over the screen for like maybe five or ten seconds. Yeah. It was, imagine that, but for the whole movie. That's how it looked. Interesting. It looked awesome, though, because it had like that old, like midnight movie grainy feel, you know. And it, and it's the thing. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I had a good time with it. Like that was a that was an experience. Like being able to watch the thing in that format, in that manner. Like it was it was really cool. Like I, I had a lot of fun with that. Do you know I've seen that movie like ten million times, and it never fails. To get me, whenever he's doing the um, the uh, what do you call those things? The uh, the electric paddle thing, and then the guy's yeah. stomach opens up every time. Like I know it's coming, right? <laughs> I know it's coming, but every time, it just like it never fails to get that little bit of a jump out of me. Like yeah. even though I know it's coming up, I know it's I'm I'm he's doing it, he's getting the thing ready. I was like, yeah, here it comes, here it comes, and then I still jump. Yeah, that's that's a great scene. Like, there's a lot of great stuff here. You know, once see for me, once I get get past the parts with the dogs, I'm good. Yeah, that does I, bother I can me. Sit a through bit. the rest of the movie, no matter how gross it gets. It's just the dogs that I hate. Yeah, you know, I hate watching that part. Yeah, but but, the, uh, but when the thing is, the only the only thing that helps me get through that is that when the dogs are like mutating. It's, like, so clearly like a puppet that, like, it doesn't bother me anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's just a puppet. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and we, then uh, but before we move on, I did go one more time. I just went uh, yesterday. I actually took Mama Dukes, my mother, uh, to see Rebel Without a Cause there for a little brunch. And uh, that was cool. That was know, really cool. I mean, she's a huge – she loves James Dean. She loves Marilyn Monroe, all those, like, old-timey actors. You know, this is one of her favorite movies, so I figured, you know, it'd be the, nice the, to take her out to brunch. We'll watch a, we'll watch the movie. Um, so it was cool. Like, we, it was cool getting to see this. And what's funny is that uh, apparently this screening was part of a like a series that they're doing leading up to the Disaster Artist. And I'm, I don't know if you know why. <laughs> oh, I know why. Because um, they didn't. Uh, because well, first of all. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> it, it, Tommy Wiseau does the "You're tearing me apart." Line You're tearing me apart, Lisa. But, like, isn't there like, um, isn't there something about how like they met in acting class doing that scene or something like that? Yeah, I think that's in the book. Okay. Because I'm I'm actually listening to the audio book right now before I see the movie, so I, I, it's it's pretty funny because the uh, Greg Sestero because he reads the the audio book and he does Tommy's voice like perfectly, bro. Which I I would hope he would because he spent how many years with that guy. 
So, but he does his voice perfectly, and every time he does it, I get a kick out of it. But I, um, I literally cannot wait for that movie. That movie. Me looks, too, man. Like it's this. It's this week, right? It opens this week, or is it next? Week? I think it, it's in limited release this week, and then it opens December like eighth. Okay. Because I, I, every time I see a trailer for it, I'm like, oh, my God, that looks amazing. Like, I want this to do, like, I want, like, it looks, like, good enough to be, like, an awards contender. Like, I, I legitimately yeah, think it this could movie, be. What, I would die laughing if this movie, like, about the worst movie ever made, like, is, like, a, a, an awards contender. That would crack me up so much. Yeah, and Ed Wood was a like one one of a bunch of awards, and that was about the worst filmmaker ever, right? So exactly, (laughs) that's a great movie. If you've never seen Ed Wood, you should watch that. Like right, that movie's awesome. Um, Um, but right before, so before they put the movie on, actually, they actually put a little thing from Franco. He was like, "Hi, everybody, I'm James Franco, and my movie, The Disaster Artist, is coming out." Um, and then he went to talk about how you know, if you listen to Tommy Wiseau talk about you know making the movie, like. James Dean is such a big influence on that guy, and Rebel Without a Cause is one of his favorite movies. And then he went on to mention how the whole "You're tearing me apart" is from ripped right from Rebel Without a Cause. And he goes like, "It's so funny because he's like, he's trying to figure out like what to say, but he starts stuttering because it's like he can't imagine like this guy who because he goes like, you know, this Tommy Wiseau is a guy who always sees him saw himself as James Dean or a James Dean like guy." But everybody else saw him as like this guy who looked like he like dyed his hair with a sharpie, you know. And he's like, like he's the only one who saw himself as James. Everybody else saw him as something completely different. <laughs> but and, it was a nice little anecdote before the movie, though. And, and it comes full circle because one of James Franco's earliest roles was playing James Dean in a TV movie. Yes, and he mentioned that too. <laughs> he was like, you know, um, Tommy Wiseau liked that I was gonna play him because he saw me play James Dean for a TV movie some years back. So he thought I'd be perfect to play him. So I mean, he went on a little bit about that, but then he talked about mainly about the you're tearing me apart scene, which was the the, the big rip from Rebel Without a Cause. Um, but but it was fun. It was a nice uh, nice screen. It was a nice time to take out my mom out and watch one of those movies. Um, my next visit to Alamo is actually next Monday for, speaking of Tommy Wiseau, The Room. Oh my God, so, The Room? Like an actual screening, not like a Rift Tracks or something? No, it's an actual screen at, at 11 o'clock p.m. Nice. So that's gonna uh, be. Fun. I'm, I'm jealous of that. I wanna. I've only ever watched the movie like on like on like YouTube or like streamers. I've never actually sat in a theater and watched it. I've never seen it start to finish. I've only watched like nostalgia critic reviews or like you know other YouTubers reviewing it. But that's pretty much it. I, I've sat through it once, and that was a chore. <laughs> it was a chore to sit through it once. Uh, after that, I've seen I like I've seen it like in clips like here and there, right? But I've sat through it start to finish once, and it's <laughs> it's it's something. I did not hit her. That's not true. I did not hit her. Oh hi. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. <laughs> oh man, um, that's gonna be fun, bro. But yeah, I really can't wait to see that movie. It looks like so much fun. Um, and then, uh, and then, so before we move on, before we move on, bro. So I have the room coming up next Monday. Um, after that, I have two more trips that I know of right now to Alamo. I'm gonna go to a Gremlins party, oh, uh, nice. December seventh, I think. They're doing it at midnight, which is supposed to tie into the whole "Don't feed them after midnight" thing. So, um, and then I'm um, seeing Star Wars there. So. so you know how like, um, 
that whole feed you after midnight. People always criticize that, like, well, it's always after midnight. Like, it doesn't matter. I heard someone, I heard, and it may have been Joe Dante, uh, who directed the film, but I heard someone clarify it recently. It's like, you're not supposed to feed them between midnight and sunrise, but you just say, don't feed them after midnight. And that makes yeah. much more sense, right? Right. Um, but, but, uh, but I heard someone, admit, I don't know if it was Joe Dante, but it was someone in connection to the movie saying, like, clarifying that rule. Which which makes a lot more sense. They should have just said that. <laughs> Don't feed in between, like, noon and, or uh, midnight and sunrise. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty stoked about that. I'm pretty jealous about the you go and see Gremlins. That's one of my favorites. And uh, I'm hearing through the grapevine, though. Yeah, definitely. But I'm hearing, through, speaking of Dante, I'm hearing through the grapevine. I don't know if this is true or not. But I'm hearing that he's going to show up at one of these screenings. So I'm hoping it's mine because there's two. There's one on Friday night one on Saturday night. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to the Saturday night one, I think. So hopefully he picks that one because that's the that's the rumor that he's going to show up at one of these. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, speaking of, uh, before we move on, have you have you ever seen Gremlins two? I have it. I have the Blu-ray. Oh, so you have seen it? It's like I the have. most like insane movie you've ever seen, right? It really. And, and like, what's amazing about it is that like Don, Joe Dante was like. He just didn't want to do the same thing again. So he just did whatever he wanted, and the studio let him. It's like one of those situations where, like, how did he get away with this movie? Because it's <laughs> insane. And if, you, if, you, if you've never seen it, do yourselves a favor and Google uh, on YouTube. Not Google on YouTube. Search on YouTube. Um, Key and Peel Gremlins 2. They have a whole skit about that, and it's the funniest freaking thing I think they've ever done. <laughs> it's basically um, the pitch meeting for Gremlins 2 and like them just throwing out all this weird crap that happens in that movie <laughs> and, and like and like saying and that's actually in the movie <laughs> you gotta watch it search Key and Peele Gremlins 2 it's I will it's a I'll funny really funny skit um, so before we move on I, I also um, went to see my own kind of uh, classic movie screening recently uh uh, I am part of the uh, Turner Classic Movies Backlot Club, um, the, the and they have like local chapters in each you know kind of major city, and so they have one in Chicago, and it's really just a kind of a club for people to kind of get together and talk about movies, and uh, but we the they also we also get free ticket screenings to like the um, the TCM um, Fathom events, and right. uh, they had this past uh, was it this past weekend or two weekends ago. I think it was this past weekend. Um, they had uh, no two weekends ago. Sorry, uh, they had the TCM uh, 75th anniversary of Casablanca, which, as you know, is my favorite movie. Um, oh yes, it is. And so I've been to one of these before. I went to the ET screening, which was really coincidentally like right before we recorded our ET episode. Uh, and since then, they had a Bonnie and Clyde, which I was not able to go to, and they had um, Princess Bride, which I wasn't able to go to. And next month, I think it's guess who's coming to dinner um oh that's a good one but uh so they had the 75th anniversary um and because they think they each they always um they're all it's always on an anniversary month so like uh the casablanca you know came out in november 1942 so that was the 75th anniversary and then i think bonnie and clyde came out august of 67 so that was like the 50th anniversary so um they always had it's like always like an anniversary screening um so i thought when I went to the ET one, it was kind of half full, right? Like, there was, like, 
mostly families there, but they wasn't I, like they were really they weren't there from like TCM. They were just like um, people who just saw that ET was playing, right? Um, right. So I kind of expected the same things, like oh, Casablanca. Like as much as I love it, no, like it's going to be like a couple of like film dorks. It was it was practically sold out. It was like if we were as if we were in like a Justice League greeting or something. Like, nice. It, it was the entire theater was packed, and what I loved about it is that. I love that movie, so I'm really biased. I'm biased to like to to you know react to everything. That movie plays so well on a big screen because in a crowded the like all the comedy lines hit really well. Like um the uh, all the like the big like uh, you know markout moments hit really well. Like so like Claude Rains's character, as you know, has all the best lines uh, as far as comedy, right? And he he like he gets a laugh every single time he's on screen in in that audience. And then like at the very end, whenever uh, whenever he goes um, when he shoots uh, uh, the captain, and uh, and then Claude Rains covers for him, the whole audience cheered. When he goes round up the usual <laughs> nice. suspect, the whole audience was like, yeah. Anyway, it was a great screening. Uh, I, I suggest, I highly encourage people to go to those Fathom events because they're always, I mean, it's just fun to see an old movie on the big screen. Yeah, definitely. I always try to go to those anytime I can. Not just at Alamo, but whenever the my art house does the monthly screenings of like classic films, like they'll do Psycho, they'll do uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. You know, I always try to go to one of those, like whenever I can. It's just, you know, it, it's one thing to watch it at home on the Blu-ray. It's another thing to actually be in the theater, you know, watching a classic movie on the big screen. That's why I told my mother, too. I was like, you know, I know you've told me you've seen this movie, like, many times. I mean, I bought her the Blu-ray for this movie, for Rebel Without a Cause. I was like, but you've never seen it at the movies. That's that's the whole point of this, you know? So and it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I really want to try to do with all these classics at some point. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on our Star Wars episode that we went to see the re-releases. That was, your actual, that was actually your first time seeing them, right? Right. Yeah, so like that was like the whatever hundredth time for me seeing it whenever they came out, but it was like so special to see it on a, I mean special edition uh notwithstanding. It was so special to see it on a big screen. So it is there is something to be said about even though you own a movie on like physical media or on digital or whatever, there is something to be said to seeing it on a big screen. And yes, you you know you can have like sixty, seventy, eighty inch televisions, but like a legitimate like movie theater screen, and having like an audience around you, like there's something special about that. And I had never seen Casablanca on a big screen, and it was my you know it's my favorite movie of all time. So seeing it on a big screen was like really special for me, and I it was so much fun to watch. So uh, I just highly recommend if you have if you have like an old classic movie like that that gets like a theater run for like a weekend, like through a Fathom Events or an Alamo Draft House or something, go out of your way to do it because it, it's there's no experience like watching a, a classic on the big screen. Yeah, I mean, usually Fathom Events is really good at being able to put on those old screenings, like at, you know, theater chains like AMCs, like, you know, the big ones. You know, Alamo Drafthouse is really good at doing, you know, old screenings. I mean, but the thing is with them is that not only are they, like, few and far between in the country, like, they're they're expanding rapidly now, but right now there's a lot of people have them in their neighborhood, so they have, kind of have to wait for, like, Fathom Events to do something uh, at their local AMC. Right. But, you know, and then the thing with Alamo, it's like they'll dig some really, really like they'll dig deep in the vault for some stuff. Like, for example, you're going to pop at this problem. I don't know if you've ever heard of this movie. Do you know a movie called Moment by Moment? 
no, you've stumped me on that one. That's an old John Travolta movie that they're showing uh, in a couple of weeks. It's uh, John Travolta and Lily Tomlin, bro, from like 1975, 76. I can't see the year. 1978. It's like a romantic comedy. I've never John heard Travolta it. and Lily Tomlin, bro. That's a weird pairing, first of all. That is a weird pairing. <laughs> I mean, I like both those people, but it's an odd. It's a, that's an odd pairing. But second of all, I've never heard of that movie. And what's funny is that when I told so that was post Saturday Night Fever. Yes. Okay. So I I told my uncle about that. I was like, listen, have you heard of a movie called Moment by Moment? He's like, bro. Brad Jones, the, the cinema stop, has that poster in the background of his videos. <laughs> I'm like, really? This movie? It's like, yeah, with John Travolta. I right? was like, yep. <laughs> like, that's the one. <laughs> huh. Now, now, you know, I have to, like, go find a trailer for this now. After we're done with this episode. Moment by go, moment, bro. Moment look look moment. it up right. on YouTube. All right. I'll look it up. Um, so, speaking of things like that, so one, one more thing. So, when I went to the Fathom screening, as you know, all the trailers were for other Fathom events, right? They weren't for like you know, Thor or, or Justice League or anything. It was like right. Fathom events. So it's like you know, you sat there and you're watching, you know, you're waiting for Casablanca to come on. You see like, um, you know, coming soon this opera live, you know, a live uh, showing of this opera. And another one was like the Holiday Inn Broadway musical, you know, on Fathom events or whatever. And yeah. then the most like unlikely trailer to ever be <laughs> the most unlikely trailer to ever be screened before a screening of Casablanca ever. Uh, a Fathom event of Pokemon the movie. <laughs> and I was, uh, oh, I was like, oh it's, it's that crap one that is pissing me off right now since I'm reading about it online. <laughs> but, right? but it's like, okay, I know that you guys are just trying to promote your other Fathom events, but this is not the audience. This is not the audience. No, that, that Pokemon the movie... Pikachu, I choose you, whatever the hell it's called. It's pissing me off because number one, they're retconning the the pilot episode of the TV. It's supposed to be based on the TV series, but they're retconning a lot of shit, and it's really pissing me off. Number one, it's killing my childhood. Number one, number two, there's a video floating around from that movie where, where Pikachu. I don't know if you ever seen the TV show, but I, Pikachu I never, in the in this movie speaks English. He speaks English to Ash, and it's like, and he, and he doesn't speak English. He no, he speaks whatever language he speaks, okay. <laughs> like Pikachu language. I don't know, but he actually says a English language sentence to Ash, and there's a video floating around of like a, somebody recorded at a screening, and everybody's like, "What the f, f is that? Like, what the you know, f that, f that." It's so funny to watch because it's like literally like you can feel all those people's childhoods being trampled on at the same time, and it's hilarious, you know, but. So- uh, so I'm not sure if you've ever noticed, but in the in like the quote unquote liner notes of every episode, I put a list of all the movies that are referenced in the episode. And yeah. I'm now gonna have to put Pikachu, I choose you in the Pikachu, I choose people, whatever anybody the, whatever going the into like called. going into watching like uh oh they're gonna talk about Wizard of Oz. Wait, why are they talking about Pikachu? <laughs> why are they talking about Pokemon? <laughs> oh my god. Alright. <laughs> Let's uh let's um let's move on to the wizard of oz um so uh wizard of oz uh was uh 
it's as if you didn't know, is about uh, Dorothy Gale, who runs away from home to save her dog Toto from the evil Muskulch, and she is swept away from a farm from her farm in Kansas by a tornado to the magical land of Oz, and there she encounters witches, munchkins, scarecrows, tin men, cowardly lions, and wizards on a quest to get back home. Uh, it is based on the 1901 novel by uh, L. Frank Baum, uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. It stars uh, Judy Garland, Frank Morgan, Ray Bolger, Jack Haley, and Burt Lahr, and Billy Burke. Oh, and of course, Margaret Hamilton. And uh, it was directed by a multitude of people, <laughs> but the one who gets the final screen credit is Victor Fleming. Um, but we'll get into the kind of the rotating door of directors. Uh, yeah, we get, that was we weird. Along. Uh, but before we get on to that, uh, as, as I as I start every one of our discussions, how did you first experience Wizard of Oz? Uh, you'll probably be disappointed in my answer right now, but see, and, this, this, and that's the thing about this movie, because my answer to your normal question, when did I first see it? I don't remember. I do not remember the first I've seen it. It must have been when I was younger, because that's when they used to do like the annual, they still did the annual Thanksgiving screenings all the way up to at least maybe like 2010, 2011, maybe, and then they stopped, but like it's like every other year now. I'm hoping they bring it back this year, but um, I don't remember when I first saw it. I just remember watching it with my family on a Thanksgiving once. That was the first time I saw it. And I just, I've just seen it ever since. Like, it's really weird. I don't have one of those, like, weird, like, one of those weird or cool stories about when I first saw it. I just, I know I saw it when I was younger, and that's pretty much it because it's just one of those, one of those yearly traditions that I always had that it's to the point where I don't remember the first time I saw it. You know, it's not that weird because I actually am in the same, um, I am in the same boat with you um, because I don't actually remember when. So here's what I remember. I remember seeing the stage musical of The Wizard of Oz, a, a local high school production when I was really very like when I was really little, like four or five years old. Um, and I think I, was, I had just moved to the States. Um, it was like one of the, it's one of my earliest memories of like going out and doing something was going to see like our local high school production of The Wizard of Oz. Um, and you know, the, it's basically the same thing as the movie. It's like has all the same songs, except I think the state this one had the jitterbug included in it. Um, it has all the same songs, same storyline, and everything. Um, and then subsequently, I remember seeing it. I remember seeing the sequel, Return to Oz, which is terrifying. Um, mm. And we'll get to that. Um, and then seeing seeing it again, like like you said, around Thanksgiving. Uh, or more or less every year. And by the way, I just looked it up on TVGuide.com, and it says there are no airings the next 14 days, which is really kind oh, of sad. That that kind of that kind of sucks. How is that possible? How are you not play Wizard of Oz on Thanksgiving, man? That's 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 a thing. That, that, exactly. It, it's one of those things too. It's like, like if you were to ask, if we were to do Home Alone on this show, and you asked me when I first saw it, it'll, I'll give you the same answer. I don't know. It was just a, a every year tradition. And I don't remember when the first time was. Uh, I rem- I, I saw Home Alone. I saw Home Alone in the theaters, and I saw it well after Christmas. I saw it in like March. <laughs> <laughs> I, nice. I remember that. I saw because that, that movie had like box office legs. That movie went way into the spring, and I remember seeing it in March, uh, well, well after, <laughs> uh, well after um, it had come out. But um, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I looked it on IMDb. IMDb says the same thing. I went into TBS.com. No information here. So. Yeah, it's it's not playing anywhere. That's really disappointing. Yeah, that really sucks. Um, but yeah, so it, 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 and I think that kind of speaks to like 
kind of the the iconic like ever present nature of this film in that uh that we both can't really remember when we first saw it because it's always been a part of us uh, in yeah. a way you know it's the, i mean everything in this movie everyone knows everyone knows over the rainbow everyone knows uh we're not in kansas anymore everyone knows i'll get you my pretty and your little dog too you know it, it's everyone knows there's no place like home everyone knows the ruby red slippers it, it's everyone if you say, if you mention a reference to any of those things everyone immediately knows what you're talking about even if it's been like 20 years since they saw the movie right it's one of those things that is ingrained in in you know American pop culture that will forever be a part of culture. I mean, my daughter has already seen it, and she's two, you know. So uh, it, it, it's like it's so. Whenever someone asks her in twenty years when she first started, she's not going to remember. So uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that I think more than any other movie. Like I can't think of another movie that ev- like literally everyone knows. I mean, can you like even Star Wars? I don't think it's. I think even it, it even beats out Star Wars as far as that goes. Because I know people that still haven't seen Star Wars. Really? Yeah. That's that's yeah. It's one of those things. Too, like I like I said at the beginning, like this movie is, is basically Americana because it, it it just bridges so many generational gaps that uh, you can you can find you know people's like grandparents or even great grandparents haven't watched this on television. When it was uh, when it was doing the the yearly screenings, so you you don't really have a lot of films, if any more, that kind of have that same I guess lasting appeal. Yeah, and it, I think it's just because, like you said, it bridges generational gaps because it's such a perfectly made family film. Like you can watch it at almost any age. If if you're a little younger, the witch could be a little scary, but at almost any age, you can watch this film. And appreciate it, you know. So, uh, and like you said, it's because it's so much part of our culture. Like, um, it, yeah, you know, I, if you know what else, I feel like I've seen it in school. Like they played it for us in school. Like whenever they had a day that they didn't want to teach you anything, they just showed you a video. I feel like you watched Wizard of Oz. So like, it's just one of those things that uh, it's always been around. Right. Definitely. Um. So let's go into some of the the background of this film. Um, as I said, actually, was... before we do that, um, I can't tell you a story about when I first saw The Wizard of Oz, but I do have a That's wacky right. story regarding The Wizard of Oz. If I want, if I could share yes, it before do. we please get please into do. like the technical stuff. So, 1997. Um, for those of you who live in the New York area and are old enough to remember this. Um, uh, the theater at Madison Square Garden was showing a, a musical production of The Wizard of Oz. They were do, it was like a, one of those touring productions. And in 97 was the first year they ever did one of The Wizard of Oz at Madison Square Garden. So uh, I think it was around April 97, April or May. Um, I get called. I'm in fourth grade, I think, at the time. So I get called to the principal's office along with a group of other kids. And you know me. This was me being like the absolute epitome of dork and nerd i'm getting scared that i'm being called to the principal's office like what's going on what, what did i do did i fail some tests like what's going on with me so i get there and the principal calls us all in and she goes congratulations everybody you all made the honor roll this year and to congratulate you we will be taking you on a field trip to see the wizard of oz in new york I'm like oh that's awesome so this is a, this is one of those honor roll field trips so they took us it was me and maybe about maybe 10 other kids were taken to see the Wizard of Oz in, in um, 
the theater at Madison Square Garden, which was a fun time. I gotta say, I still have memories of walking so in there, like the theater or the arena. The theater. Okay. Because I know there's like a, a theater like right next to it. Yeah, the theater is. Uh, the theaters were actually saw Bill Maher a couple years ago too, because um, that that was the first. And the theater, believe it or not, the theater is where they had the NXT house show. Yeah, I remember that when I met up with you last November. Was it, it was last year? Ago. year yeah. It was like almost a year ago, right? If not, a it year was. Ago. I think it was a year ago, a couple days ago. Wow. All right. Yeah. Um, that the last, that's the last time I saw you, right? Yes, that was yeah. the last time we saw each other in, in the flesh. Dude, um, next time I'm in New York, we have to actually we should record something in person next time I'm in there. Yeah, area. you know, because we always like meet up and like have something to eat, but we never. We should actually do something in person. Anyway, sorry, continue. Preferably live at Alamo Draft House. Yeah, I know, so. right? <laughs> but anyway, so and this is what I was telling you earlier. This is weirdly relates to wrestling. So. Um, I'm like, my mother gave me 20 bucks to buy, like, a little, like, souvenir thing or whatever I find uh, at the garden. So I'm walking around, and they have, like, the figurines of, like, all the characters, like Dorothy, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, Cowardly Lion, the Wicked Witch of the West. So I'm looking through, and all my friends are like, this is where I always got jealous of people, because my friends are, like, buying, like, t-shirts they were buying hats they're like their parents give like 50 bucks to spend my mom gave me 20 bucks so i was like what can i get for 20 bucks you know in new york so i said you know what the tin man figure costs 20 bucks i'm gonna buy the tin man figure so i bought the tin man figure um and i don't know if you heard about this production but uh roseanne played the wicked witch of the west in this production i don't know if you knew about that no i never heard of that yeah, so uh, I got to see Roseanne live in person play the Wicked Witch of the West on this show. Um, but it was a fun time. You know, I still have memories of it. It was uh, it was very cool to be able to be there, like, with my school friends. You know, it was, like, a cool, like, school trip. that Because uh, we usually, you know, the school trips were, like, uh, pretty boring stuff. But this is like, a really, like, cool trip that we got to go on. So it was a fun time. Um, and the reason why this relates to wrestling is because when I brought, I brought home that Tin Man figure um, – this is a time when I was still playing with my wrestling figures. So immediately the Tin Man became part of my WWF Federation of, of my toys. And the Tin Man is a former WWF champion oh. <laughs> on my, uh, in my, uh, my little fed that I had with my action figures. So, uh, so the, yeah, so that's how it relates to wrestling. Like I would use that Tin Man as one of my, as one of the WWF wrestlers in my little fed. So uh, still more over. And I still have range. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's a cool story. Uh, I didn't realize yeah. that they because when you said Madison Square Garden, I was like imagining it in the arena. I was like, holy crap! But I mean, how 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 big is the theater? Like, how many people are can fit in the theater? Uh, the theater holds about maybe five thousand, so okay. it's not so, like, it's so not like that an, that big, but it's a good amount. Yeah, but so like an average like Broadway kind of theater, pretty much. Okay, that's for, that's still pretty big. It's still pretty yeah, big. but that that's interesting. Um. Yeah, because I because I've been in I've been in Madison Square Garden once in my life, like in the actual arena part, and um, it it's like a it's pretty massive in there. So like I couldn't imagine doing like an actual musical in there. Yeah, it's it's way way different. Now, I'm sure now from when you were because they did that big renovation to it a few years back. Oh, that's true. Because I, I don't think I, I was in the '90s that I went in there. So anyway. yeah, when you still had the purple and green seats. Yeah, um, I think I saw a circus or something in there. Oh, Ringling Brothers, which is now Ringling gone, Brothers, by the yeah, way. Those Ringling Brothers. Isn't there a um? Isn't Hugh Jackman doing a movie about that? In like, like a month. I think so. Yeah, like a little is like a Ringling biography Barnum type of thing. Bailey that he's doing. He's doing yeah. one of them. 
Who's he? He's P, no, he's, he's P.T. Barnum. He's P.T. Barnum. Yeah, so it's Barnum. Okay, that's what it is. Uh, interesting. Uh, that that looks like one of those movies that's like, that's, you know what I predict for that movie? That movie looks like it's trying so hard to be Oscar bait, and everyone's gonna ignore mm. it. Like, you know how like that sometimes happens where like there's a movie that is clearly going for those awards, and then like it just it just gets ignored for all of them. Yeah, that's what I think is gonna happen with that movie. I'm hoping that I had a feeling when I, so before Rebel Without a Cause, they showed a trailer for The Post. That's like okay, so this is Spotlight 2017, right? So I'm hoping that you know they don't ignore it because it actually looks good, and I can't wait to see it. But it's one of those movies that I got the Oscar bait vibe from it as well. I don't even know. I, I haven't even heard of that one. The Post with yeah. Tom Hanks. Oh wait, with Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have heard of that. Yeah, I have. I mean, Tom Hanks and Meryl. Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep by itself. That's a that sells you a ticket right there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um. I don't know how we got, we got off on, but so you did, didn't you like Spotlight though? Because you said like Spotlight I did like Spotlight, but it's like you know, the way the trailer came off, it 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 felt to me like it was another Spotlight. Oh, okay. You know, got and it. Uh, and when I think Spotlight, I think Oscars. So this is trying to be Oscar bait, but I'm hoping it doesn't get ignored because the trailer does look really good and it's very timely if you know what the movie's about. So, considering the administration we have now, yeah. Uh, well, but the less said about that, the better. Yeah. Let's just not. <laughs> yeah. Let's not turn this into... Anyway, back to Wizard of Oz. Um, so Wizard of Oz uh, came about um, in a roundabout way because of Disney. Uh, because in 1937, Snow White came out. And up until that point, um, kind of like general accepted Hollywood rule was that like children's kind of fantasy kind of movies didn't really sell and they weren't they weren't very profitable but when snow white came out in 1937 uh and made enormous box office uh returns that year uh you know mgm kind of started green lighting uh production into the wizard of oz um it's actually not the first screen version of wizard of oz there was actually a couple different versions of it before uh and they were all silent uh, silent film versions um there was one the the two most notable ones uh was one in 1910 uh, which you can find on YouTube. It's it's public domain, so you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's about ten minutes long, and it's like the entire Wizard of Oz story in like ten minutes. Um, oh, that's awesome! I would love to see that. <laughs> it's called the Wonderful Wizard of Oz, so it keeps the wonderful from the original uh, name of the book, um, and it takes place. It's literally ten minutes long, uh, and uh, and then the other most notable one is from 1925, and if you have the um, like the 70th or 75th anniversary Blu-ray or whatever. Like, I think I have the 70th anniversary Blu-ray. Um, it's one of the special features included on it. And I tried to sit through it, and it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> um, I couldn't make it halfway through. I was like, I got to stop. I, I value my time too much to continue watching this because it was just bad. The 10-minute um, the, the version is fine. but the, And then there's other ones that because like, L. Frank Baum, a lot of people... Like just think of Wizard of Oz, but he wrote in he he was like Narnia with that stuff. Like he wrote like tons of novels based in Oz. Um, so there was a bunch of different silent films based on those novels. There was like um, I think the other ones. Uh, one of them is called the Scarecrow, uh, His Majesty the Scarecrow of Oz or something. And then um, 
there's another one that's escaping me. Um, like the Magic Cloak of Oz or something like that. So there's a bunch of different Oz films out there, mostly in the silent era. But as far as the Wizard of Oz with Dorothy and Scarecrow and Tin Man and everything else, um, there's been those kind of three very famous adaptations. And then there's plenty been after that, right? But up until 1939, it was those kind of three adaptations. And the 1925 one is even weirder because there's no magic in it. It's like all like like there's no like ma- I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's like the scarecrow's not really a scarecrow. The Tin Man's not really a Tin Man. It's it's bad. It's a mm. bad movie. That's interesting. Um, the thing weird though about like the I mean this is kind of going off on a tangent, but the thing is weird about like the the rights to these uh to these uh to these stories is that I if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, Disney owns the rights to all the Oz stories except that one that the wizard the main wizard of oz story is that correct i don't know because i thought the the story like the actual story itself was public domain but the movie obviously isn't uh, the right movie, i think the movie now belongs to warner brothers because they bought mgm the mgm library right. so warner brothers owns the the wizard of oz film but i thought the original published story was public domain but maybe i'm wrong about that i mean but i didn't know right disney does own a lot of the oz stuff but uh, i thought they i thought the actual story itself was public domain i mean and we'll get to return to oz we'll get to oz the great and powerful hopefully on this show as well for a little bit um but uh but i'm 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 read that somewhere i think that disney pretty much owned all of the oz franchise except for this one story which is probably because it's public domain but um, that explains why, if you watch uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, the ruby slippers are in it because that's an original creation to this right. MGM film. Right. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I have to think about that because I'm not exactly sure. Um, but yeah, so um, you know, th- this came about, uh, like I said, because of Snow White, um, and they went through a lot of different drafts of the of the script. Uh, one of the early drafts was much like the 1925 version where it didn't have any magic. And the Scarecrow, uh, instead of being an actual Scarecrow, was a guy who was just so dumb that the only thing he could do in life was be, like, sitting sitting around and Scarecrow's away. And then the Tin Man, instead of actually being a Tin Woodsman, he was a guy who was, like, a criminal and he had, quote-unquote, no heart because he was a criminal and stuff. And it was, like, <laughs> it, it, it took, like, a very, like... So the, it was the, the like Zack the, Snyder version. Yeah, of, exactly, of, uh... like the Grim and Gritty version, right? <laughs> um, uh, it took like this really weird interpretation of it, and then and then it eventually morphed into the more um, uh, kid-friendly, uh, magical version that we know. Uh, and the 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 writers most credited for that are uh, we have it right here: Florence Ryerson and Edgar Allan Wolf, um, who did who basically took the treatment and then made it an actual script, and then Arthur. Uh, Freed, who was one of the producers, uh, reassigned it to. Hold on, I have his name here. Uh, Noel Langley. Is it Noel or Noel? Maybe it's Noel. Yeah. Um, who basically put all the finishing touches that made the film what we know now. But even during the filming, the movie, the, the script was constantly being rewritten, and so much so that even um, uh, you know uh, Bert Lahr and uh, Ray Bolger. Apparently ad libbed a lot of a lot of stuff that became part of the movie, so like they have uncredited writing on this too. So um, huh. it, it, it's it's it, the the whole script is a mess. Like you, I don't think there's like any one person responsible for it. For for everything, right? You know, Which kind of reflects the production of the film. 
Um, one of the reasons that they um, they made it a dream sequence, because I believe in the book, and I have not read the book. I remember they read us the book in like elementary school, but that's the last time I, I, I actually encountered the written story of the book. After that, it's only been this movie. Um, so I don't remember. Or I, I think in the book, it's it's not a dream. So like Oz is real and she goes to Oz. Um, but in the obviously in this film, it's it's a dream sequence that like the whole thing right. is a dream sequence. She wakes up at the end, and that was still them hedging their bets about like audiences not accepting a fantasy world. Which is strange. Like I don't know why they would feel like that. That that would be like an issue, considering that it's a movie. Uh, but I mean, I, I keep forgetting this is a different time, and maybe they were they were a little more sensitive about stuff like that. Maybe it it was maybe. Trying to create a more suspicion of disbelief was a little harder back then. I mean, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here, but it seems to me it was very is very weird concern to have. But I mean, think about it though. Like, think about movies of that time. A lot of it was just straightforward dramas or comedies. There was not a lot of like fantasy or science fiction stuff. It's really far. The only studio that was really doing that stuff was like Universal with the monster movies, and um. I can't really think of any, like, there was very rare examples of any sort of, like, I mean, science fiction, you, they had, like, the Flash Gordon serials, right? But there wasn't really right. any science fiction movies back then either. So it, it, it was kind of like a, it's, it seems weird to think of it now because, you know, science fiction, fantasy, and superheroes and horror movies are a big part of uh, uh, today's box office. You know, if you look at the top 100 box office movies of all time, it's mostly genre movies, right? Uh, and so it's odd to think that like a fantasy genre movie in nineteen, it like would never would be considered like a risky venture. Yeah. You know? But yeah, that's why it's a dream sequence is because they just didn't think that the the audiences would buy that there's actually a, a, a that she actually went to a magical land of Oz. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just it's that just seems far fetched that they wouldn't like you know, put all their chips in that. Like, they were reluctant to do it. Um, which brings me to, like, a point to the se- to the to the uh, unofficial sequel, Return to Oz. Have you ever seen Return to Oz? I have not, but I've heard much about it. Cause so, I actually, when I, when I was doing research for this show, and I read about that movie. So, so. I, I own it on, on Blu-ray. Disney put out a special edition Blu-ray a couple years ago. Oh, nice. Um, but it's really it's really expensive now. So like, if you want it, you have to pay like thirty or forty bucks for it. Um, so because um, it was like a very limited run. Um, but yeah. I, I don't know if you can I don't know if you can watch it streaming anywhere. You might be able to, but um, it's really dark. Um, and the fir- the first like part of the movie um, kind of takes the fact kind of borrows from this film in that, you know, it it, it assumes that, like, it was a dream sequence, right? But uh, Dorothy is continually talking about Oz and how she wants to get back to Oz and this and that, that her, that uh, Aunt Em uh, puts her in a mental institution for, like, because she thinks she's crazy for talking about this Oz place, and they give her, like, electroshock therapy. I am not making this up. It's such a weird thing for a Disney movie to do. (laughs) Like, it's so dark. And then when they get to, when they get to uh, Oz, when they finally get to Oz, and it's, you know, a real place, like, the the imagery is just way weird. There's, like, a headless woman floating around. Um, Some of, like, the villains. It's just, it's, it's a creepy movie. Like, it, I remember seeing it as a kid. I was like, "This is this is freaking me out, man." 
Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I, it's, it's definitely worth a watch because it's so weird that you have to wonder how it even got made. Yeah. From what you're describing about it is exactly what I've read. And it's, it, it's, it's one of those trippy experiences. <laughs> I want to, I, I want to make a joke, like comparing it to the shining, but I don't think it's, it's that trippy, but I don't know. But from what you're describing, it's, 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 it's up like, there. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that Disney owns it, it would be it would be like the perfect movie to show it, like an Alamo Draft House, because it, it is it has such a cult status, you know. With yeah. People like it, but you know Disney owns it, so it's not gonna like they're not gonna do. I don't believe they they like do those kind of limited screenings with like Dra- Alamo Draft House or anything like that. So yeah, they really don't. Because when they do a screening, it's like they they want to own that screening, like they want to make yeah. all the money from it, right? So um, yeah. It, it, I would suggest if you can find it streaming somewhere, I would suggest you give it a watch, like rent it or something, because it's worth a watch. It's just just be prepared that it's a weird it's a weird one. And um, I remember reading, I think a while back when I was reading about this movie, that they really have to tiptoe around, like not mentioning anything that directly came from MGM from the right. original Wizard of Oz. Yeah, like they they deliberately had to change stuff so that it wasn't like related to that, right? They did. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I, I don't remember exactly everything they. But I do. Rem, it it is something where like they can't, like you know, like the ruby red slippers and things like that, right? Like there, there's stuff that they can't mention because because of that. Right. Um. So, uh, some of the other things that were interesting things about this production, um, the there was the whole sequence with the jitterbug, which was added in because uh, they thought it was a way to get, because the jitterbug music was like popular at the time. So they Mm -hmm. wanted to get like teenagers, like more invested in the film. Uh, So they added this whole sequence and then they eventually dropped it, but they did record the song, but they never actually made it to the finished product of the film. Which I never heard. I haven't heard the song actually. Well, so the thing is, it, I, I'm sure I could track it down you on can YouTube. You track it or down, and it, and it does it's, it does survive in like stage productions. So in the stage productions, because I've seen the stage production at least two or three times, and they in some stage productions they keep it, and some they don't. Um, like the first time I saw it, like way back when when I was a little kid, had it had the jitterbug in it, and then another time I saw it on stage, it didn't have it in it. So I think it's like up to like whoever's directing the the stage production, but like it's. I think it's like with when you buy, you know, you have to license the words and music and stuff. Like it's in the package, right? But I don't think everyone uses it. Right. Um, another weird thing about this film is that originally uh, Dorothy and the Scarecrow were supposed to have a romantic relationship, um, or it's supposed to be, which is why that explains a lot. It does explain <laughs> a lot, which is explains why at the very end she says, "I think I'll miss you most of all." And the thing Which is, I love that line now, and I don't mean to cut show. I love that hearing that line because I don't know if you saw the Family Guy gag when they made fun of that part. No. So, uh, so, they, so they want to do one of those cutaway gags, you know, kind of like Dorothy the Scarecrow. So she goes to the Scarecrow, you know, like I'll miss you most of all. And then Tim I goes like, well, that's kind of a bitchy move to do, you know. I mean, we're standing right here, and like you're telling him <laughs> you're gonna miss him most. Like, come on. <laughs> See, I always took it to mean that like he was the first one she saw, so she has like the strongest connection with him, right? So right. to me, like I always thought that that's what it meant. But that was really intended because they were supposed to because in um, uh, Hunk, who is the who is like the farmhand counterpart to, yeah. to the Scarecrow, she was supposed to have like a thing with him. 
uh, that they eventually cut out of the movie, um, and um, which is why she says that to him, which I think is for the better because that, that would have been really distracting. Yeah. And yeah, apparently that's... they also, uh, when they were they originally filming it, when they originally filmed, and I'm not sure who which director was filming this part because they went through so many different directors. Um, when they originally filmed the the scene of "If I Only Had a Brain," it was a the dance sequence was a lot more flirtatious than it like, and eventually that obviously got toned down to like the family friendly version we got, but it was a lot more like like they were flirting with each other. Really? Yeah, which See, I think is kind of weird. It's interesting in that weird, like, curious sort of way. Like, I kind of want to see what that would look like. I think if you want, like, there's a documentary on the Blu-ray where you can see, um, like, stills of that of that dance sequence. And, like, Judy Garland's hair is a little different and she looks a little more, I don't want to say sexual, that's not the right word, but a little more womanly. I don't know what the word mm-hmm. is I'm looking for, but less like a little girl. Right, right. Um, like in like the pictures that they show, and it it just looks wrong. You're just like, ew, no, no, no. <laughs> like I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> On this episode, the part of Scarecrow we play by Roy Moore. Oh, <laughs> come on. Oh, now I feel. Gross. I, there, I, I, there, I did it. I, I made this political now. <laughs> did do it. You did do it. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> um, so. In the book, uh, Baum describes Kansas as being uh, in shades of gray, which is what kind of informed uh, how the film was made, how uh, in the beginning and end of the movie, Kansas is filmed in black and white or sepia tone, and then the you know odd sequences are filmed in color. The, Technicolor, that's, yeah. um, that's where they got the inspiration to do that. Okay. And it's always one of those things that I wish... Now, Technicolor had existed before. I mean, um, Gone with the Wind was shot in Technicolor, and it came out the same year. Um, but <clears throat> it was one of those things that, like, I think I mentioned it on, on a previous episode that, I think it was the Exorcist episode, uh, where that sequence of her opening the door and going from black and white to color, to, like, a 1939 audience, that must have been such a cool reveal. Now, I wish I could be, like, I wish I could go back in time, like, buy a ticket for, like, 10 cents to see The Wizard of Oz, and then, like, just see, just, like, be in there and, like, see the audience reaction to that. That would just be so neat. Uh, there was, a, I don't know if you got to see any of the, uh, extras on the Blu-ray, but there's a little, there's a nice little extra there to talk about like the legacy of, of the film. And there's this one story, I forgot who, who's, who the person was, but there's this one story that really like kind of stuck with me when I was watching it. And it had to do with like this, uh, with the person, I think they must've been a kid at the time. And he remembers the day that, you know, that I think it was a, a she, like her father, finally bought the family the big color TV like in 1959 or whatever it was. And the reason why she was so excited because now she can see the Oz scenes the way they were supposed to be seen in color. So she remembers the first Thanksgiving that she watched Wizard of Oz with the new TV and be able to see that the the Oz scenes when she opens the door and it turns to color, her being like, like that's like the most, one of the most amazing things that she that she's ever seen and like she still has that memory to this day of being able to see that for the first time on television because you know before like it was more common to have the just the black and white tvs but you know the the big color tvs like you were like uh you were like the the popular person on the block so you know when their father family got the family the color tv she was able to watch the wizard of oz and she was able to see the scenes the way they were supposed to be seen and she just like she was just amazed and just and and i'm listening to that story 
And it's like, you know, it's really cool. Like, I want to be like in, the, in people like like people like her shoes to be able to kind of like experience that. Like, you know, being able like watching Oz like black and white for years, like the whole thing in black and white, and then being able to see the color scenes for the first time is like such an eye opener. It's, it's just it changes the movie so much. Yeah, man, I, I can't even imagine like having seen that your whole life in black and white, and then finally seeing it in color. That'd be so weird to like. Yeah. That'd be such a mind mind bending kind of thing to see. Um, yeah. Speaking on a kind of related note, um, you know, we've talked in the past about how some movies, like when you watch them in high definition, it almost takes something away from it. Like we talked about, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which, yeah. I know it's a very odd comparison with Wizard of Oz, but with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you kind of appreciate the like grittiness of like VHS and like you know the the graininess and like the faded image because it kind of makes it feel dirtier and whatever um it not quite the same with this but one of the things because on the blu-ray uh for that i have for this the 70 i think it's the 70th anniversary blu-ray um for warner brothers it first of all it's a beautiful transfer it looks gorgeous but it's almost too good because when you look when it when you see a close-up of for example the, the the munchkins or the cowardly lion you can see like where like the at the prosthetics are glued on, right? Whereas opposed to when you used to see it on like VHS or on TV or something, it it it, it blended a little more, right? Whereas like I'm I have it on in the background right now, and like I can just see like there's a line across Bert Lars' forehead where you where the prosthetic is. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's just like you can see it right there. Um, yeah. And then like uh, and the sets look so fake. Like you can see, no, that's just a big painted wall. Like, it, and it, it's it almost the high definition almost ruins it a little bit. It like, kills it, the illusion. It kills yeah. the illusion. Like, and yeah, obviously when you're watching it, you know it's a set. You know they're not in an like you know that it's a painted wall back there. But you you're able to like have the suspension of disbelief. But when you watch it on Blu-ray, it's like it's so obvious it's a big flat wall, right? It's like it, it, it does too right. good a job of cleaning up the image that you're just like, oh, that's just a big wall back there. Um, so it's a little it's a little disappointing to see. Yeah, I have I have the same feeling, not just with, with Oz, um, not just with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I also have the uh, the Mondo Blu-ray Steelbook of The Thing that I watched. Uh, I watched it, I think, last year, um, and then seeing uh like i talked about alamo draft house seeing the uh the 70 millimeter transfer of the thing and i didn't even mention this either before uh not to go off on another tangent but when they started rolling the the film reel right before the movie started they showed a big thing that said like one of those things from the mpaa that says the thing has been rated x by the mpaa like oh now now we're in for a show because it still has the x rating stamp on it x in 1982 i guess it said it said it's been rated x so I was like, "Holy crap, that's awesome!" I we I got the X rating, like by the eighties. I guess I'm wrong. Uh, no, X I think was still around until what the the nineties? Was it like wasn't it late eighties, early nineties? They got rid of the X. Well, I thought like X eventually just meant, you know, like triple like porn, right? Like triple X. Like, well, that was the reason why they got rid of it because it kept being more associated with with porn. Right. But so that and that's think, so like I thought because of that, like I, I thought by the nineteen eighties, like it was just that it just meant pornography. So I just thought like to be I didn't realize that the there was still they still had X ratings for They had movies. X I think until like eighty nine or ninety when they did the N C seventeen. But it was, they, they still kept it. Huh, interesting. Uh but yeah, but anyway, but was, so was, not to so, go off. Hold on. So like uh, your favorite movie, Scarface 
at the time was like the filthiest movie of all time, like with the most amount of F words. Did they rate that X? Yeah. Oh. It was rated okay. So I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you ever saw the documentaries behind Scarface. But what happened with Scarface was, uh, De Palma sent the, his original cut into the MPA and it was rated X. So they told him to cut back um, a, a lot of the gore, a lot of the blood. So he did that. Sent it a second time. It was still an X. Um, so they said, okay, we don't like. Uh, I forgot what what scene they were having trouble with. I can't remember exactly which one it was. Was it the chainsaw scene? It might have been the chainsaw scene that they showed a little too much blood on the chainsaw scene. So he went back and cut it a third time. And then the third time it was still rated X. So the Palma got mad. It was like, oh, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to have to appeal. So he got lawyers and he had like, you know, expert witnesses. Like there were detectives who testified that like the, the violence that they're showing in Scarface was actually true. That it actually happened, you know, in similar cases, like with the drug wars and all that. So they said, uh, so when, he finally won his appeal. They said, okay, you, it, Scarface is rated R. But they didn't specify which cut was rated R because his first cut was an X, his second cut was an X, his third cut was an X. So without telling the NPA, he submitted his original cut to be the rated R cut, and that's the cut that, uh, that exists now because there's a lot of like urban legends saying that, oh, the cut that we have is not the original cut. Yeah, it is. According to uh to the producer to Bregman and to the Palma, that's the original cut, the one that we have now. So, hmm. okay, which I, is I, cool. For some reason, I just didn't think X was still around, or at least not associated with hard R movies. That it was associated with pornography by that point. But all right, um, but but not to not to keep going off. But like like we're going back to the original point about how like the the high tech kind of ruined this <laughs> those the illusions for a little bit for like Scarface and for you know uh. Uh, the thing for the Wizard of Oz. Um, what I was saying before was that with uh, with these with these old movies, you know, like you were saying, the grain kind of helps not only preserve the illusion, like we're saying when it comes to like fantasy sequences or prosthetics. Um, but I just kind of like seeing old movies look old. I don't know. It's just I don't know. If it's yeah, weird, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I just like seeing old movies look the way that they looked in the 70s and the 80s or whenever they came out, like in this, it's 1939, 1940. You know, I just kind of like seeing like the oldness to it. It's just, it kind of gives it a, a, a sort of charm. See, to me, like that that's especially important for like, um, like genre movies, like horror and science fiction, especially from the 80s. Because I grew up in the 80s I grew up in the VHS era. I was a VHS era kid, right? So I would go to the you know rent movie store and rent like horror movies and sci-fi movies and things like that. And I you know I saw them like on a, on VHS quality for years and years and years. And sometimes it is an improvement when you see it on DVD or Blu-ray, right? But sometimes you're like, yeah, it looks good, but it just it doesn't feel right, you know? And and that's that's kind of my problem with with, with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It just doesn't feel right to look so pretty, you know? Um, and, and like, like with the Wizard of Oz, again, like a lot of the scenes look really nice, but sometimes whenever you just see that big fake wall, you're like, it just doesn't feel right. Now, one of the things I will give it credit for as far as like the, the Blu-ray, uh, uh, high def, there are two things that actually stand out as like, not necessarily an improvement, but like, wow, I didn't realize how good that was, was, um, Scarecrow's makeup and uh, Margaret Hamilton's witch makeup. Um, both of them are flawless. Like, you cannot tell. Yeah. Like, they're absolutely, like, Margaret Hamilton's, like, they're, you cannot tell where that fake nose comes, like, ends and begins, right? And then um, on uh, on um, Scarecrow, 
you can see like the thatch the the thatches of the burlap on his face and like for you couldn't I I never saw that like on VHS or you know or or or, or however many times I saw it on TV but like on Blu-ray you can actually see the thatches on his face and I think that's interesting. Yeah, like, that that is really of, good. That's really neat it, to see. Yeah, it fleshes out like uh, I don't want to say fleshes out the character, but it fleshes out like the appearance a little more, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so th- that that I do appreciate, but for the most part, like the like so, so like I'm watching the uh, I have it on the background here, and I'm watching the the scene where the the, the cowardly lion, the Tin Man, and the Scarecrow are like kind of kind of climbing up the mountain to the castle, and it's clear that you're just like walking up to a big wall, like with the castle <laughs> painted on it, right? And it's just it just that kills the illusion for me. It really does. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So. Some other uh, trivia that I think is interesting. Uh, the original Dorothy uh, was considered to be, um, uh, you know, I think um, uh, Mervyn Leroy always said, oh, no, it was always going to be Judy Garland. But that's not true. Originally, they had Shirley Temple in mind, who was still a little kid at this point. Um, I think she was a little older than, like, the, her early movies, but like she, but she was certainly still, like, a little kid kid, um, which I think would have drastically changed the... I mean, changed the movie, because um, while Shirley Temple could sing, she couldn't sing like Judy Garland could sing. So, right. like, to have her sing, like, Over the Rainbow, I don't think would have become as, like, a classic as it is today if, if it was, like, Shirley, little Shirley Temple singing it. I'm sure in some parallel universe, Shirley Temple as Dorothy exists somewhere. You know, yeah. um, and the thing is, uh, what, what's interesting is like uh, back in the, you know, it just goes to show viral marketing always existed because um, when they were like in production for this film before they had cast anything, you know, they used to have those old like newsreel newsreel things, and and, and uh, I, I guess there was I never saw it, but like I was re- I was doing in the research uh, I was doing for this film, I saw that uh, someone had asked her, like some reporter asked Shirley Temple, is if it's true. Uh, that you're, she's going to be in the Wizard of Oz, and she said something along the lines, "Well, there's no place like home," you know, and it's uh, <laughs> like not confirming it, but what like a troll. Conf- you know, it's like <laughs> you know that's that's some viral marketing right there. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, it still would have worked. Cause, I mean, it is a kids' movie, and having uh, Shirley Temple like be the lead, I think, would have worked. But I don't know, like the songs, I don't think would have worked as well because it, it Judy Carland is just like a classic voice, and um. I don't know if, like, I don't remember, I've seen very, to be perfectly frank, I have seen very little Shirley Temple movies. Um, It's just, you know, I I was not, I was obviously not, you know, a little girl, so I never saw, like, the, like, in her movies when I was a kid would have, like, her kid movies would not have appealed to me as a little boy, right? Uh, So I've only seen them few and far between as an adult, so uh, I don't have a deep wealth of, well of knowledge of Shirley Temple. But I think it, as a kid's film, it would have worked. But it just – I can't imagine anybody but, but Judy Garland doing it. Of course not. Yeah, it's one of those iconic roles that you, you see Judy Garland in it and you can't possibly imagine anybody else. Like we talked about in the Star Wars episode, we talked about how um, Kurt Russell was considered for Han Solo. And when you think about it, yeah, that absolutely would have worked. But you have a hard time not imagining how yeah, Exactly. You know, anyway um, – so another casting thing that that uh, is interesting that uh, Roy Ray Bolger, I was calling him Roy Bolger. Ray Bolger uh, originally was supposed to play uh, the Tin Man, and Buddy Ebsen was hired uh, to do the Scarecrow. Um, 
but uh, they eventually switched the parts because Ray really wanted to do the Scarecrow because he, I guess, it had always been his dream since he saw it as a, since he saw like the original stage production as a kid, which wasn't a musical, um, and he really wanted to be the Scarecrow, so they switched roles. But then uh, Ebsen, who then he was fine with it, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll do the Tin Man. It doesn't matter." But he recorded music, he rehearsed with the actors, and he was all ready to go until the day he put on the makeup, and it caused such a severe allergic reaction that he went, that he ended up being hospitalized. Oh. And uh, so he was hospitalized and recast um, by um, blanking on the name um, uh, uh, Jack Haley. Sorry, That's yeah, Tin Man. Um, and uh, I think even after that, they didn't end up changing the the makeup. Uh, what they because I, I they used like some sort of aluminum based paint that that was like, really dangerous. <laughs> um, and actually, in real life, um, like when they're stage productions, they you can't whoever's playing the Tin Man can't actually be covered in 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 that kind of paint because they have to leave some sort of spot on his on on their body open or else like to breathe. Because if you cover an actor's body with that stuff, it apparently is dangerous. Oh, wow. Like, it'll actually... You could die from that. Yeah. <laughs> like, who wants to be the Tin Man, then? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but, uh... So, ended up... Jack, Jack Haley ended up uh, taking his place. So, uh... And so, Jack Haley does sing the song, uh, If I Only Had a Heart. But because the, the production was so rushed and they had so many casting changes... Any other time that you that the Tin Man is in the it sings in the movie that's not if I only had a heart, it's Buddy Ebsen singing, not not Jack Haley. Oh, look at that! That's interesting. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, because they didn't have time to re-record it. Yeah, which I think is interesting. Um, Frank Morgan uh, was cast as a uh, was cast after uh, uh, they were going to do W. C. Fields at one point, and then Edwin. Um, Edwin turned it down because it was too small of a role. And uh, I'm I'm not sure if anybody knows who Edwin is, but he is one of the I I cannot I can't stand Edwin. <laughs> like if you don't know who he is, he's the voice of the Mad Hatter in the original Alice in Wonderland, um, and he's in Mary Poppins. He's the guy who like who sings I can laugh, and he's like bouncing off the ceilings and stuff. Yeah, uh, he's in I think he's in the Diary of Anne Frank, which is really weird. Um, but he's he's such a like I do not appreciate that kind of like comedy he does. So I'm really glad he was not cast as a wizard. Um, and then W.C. Fields, I think, would have been really too odd for, for The Wizard of Oz as well. Yeah, I think that's, those are interesting choices. Uh, I know who Edwin is, actually. I, I, I've, seen, uh, I've seen a few uh, clips uh, of him doing uh, some, uh, some, some films. Uh, W.C. Fields, I'm not too familiar with his work, but, uh, but Frank Morgan Frank Morgan was the, uh, like, uh, uh, this is kind of a weird comparison, but I, I, I think you know what I mean when I say this, like, He's kind of like the Eddie Murphy of this movie. In fact, like he was, he played like every, yeah, he played every like other character. Million roles. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. exactly what you mean by that. He's like he's he's the Wizard of Oz. He's the the traveling um, what is he like a traveling like carny basically. The carny, yeah. He's carny at the beginning of the movie. Um, and I love that scene. Actually, crack that scene actually still works from comedy wise when he's like totally conning her with the crystal ball gag yeah the movie like it actually still cracks me up he's such a carny in that in that in that sequence um he plays the the palace guard um who else does he play he's plays somebody else too uh, uh he played like the carriage coach remember when they were in oz when they get in the carriage oh, yes, i forgot yes, what song he plays it is the, yeah. the, 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 the like the driver yeah, yeah the driver 
Um, and there's one more. He oh so so yeah so he's two he's two different guards. He's the guard. He's like the guard to the to Oz to Emerald land. City. Yeah. And then he's also the guard to the to wizard. the wizard. So yeah. it's like which I always thought was the same character, but it's two different characters. Uh, and he, and then he plays a character ever. He's the carny Professor Marvel. It's Professor Marvel. Yeah, Professor Marvel. And and, uh, and he plays the wizard himself. So like he's so he's like all over this film. Yeah. Um. But you're right. He is. He's like the Eddie Murphy of of, of the film. Um, <laughs> uh. I what I thought you were gonna say um was like. I thought you were gonna make another comparison because, like, uh, I, I thought you were gonna like compare him to like a like a modern day character actor. Because if you ever wa- if you watch like movies like MGM and uh, movies from around that, I think it's MGM movies around that time, he's like all over the place as like a character actor. Like you just see him pop up and stuff. Uh, so it's uh, like every time I see, and it, it's it's kind of jarring every time you see because I, I I I just know him as as the Wizard and Professor Marvel. So like when he's like playing the character, you're like oh. That's uh, like the one that I can think of the most is he's in the shop around the corner um, with Jimmy. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. The, oh, he's I the, love that movie. He's the, movie. the shop owner. He's the um, um, Mr. I can't remember the guy's name in the movie, but he's the shop owner of the, of, of the shop around the corner. Uh, and like every time I see that movie, like, I can't get it out of my head that he's oh, that's the Wizard of Oz. It's, it messes me up. Um, but he but he yeah, he was a great character actor from back in the day. Um, also, a great character actor Margaret Hamilton as the witch, who got cast three days before shooting, which is insane, um, because the original actress like uh, dropped out. So they cast Margaret Hamilton. Um, Margaret Hamilton had her own accident on this film, where she got burned uh, during one of the like quote unquote stunts in the film. The first time you see her when she like makes her big e- exit uh, through like that big flame, there's like a trap door yeah. that she goes under, and like all that that flame goes up to hide it. Uh, it got it caught her hair and like prosthetics on fire. She ended up spending like six weeks in the hospital. Oh boy! So pretty much after uh, that, anytime there was any sort of stunt, it was like a stunt double. Like it wasn't her doing it. Um, yes. But like first but, Buddy Epson and now Margaret. No, right. <laughs> so this, yeah, this movie was kind of cursed. Like in that, like there's so many different. So not only did it have a bunch of rewrites, it went through a bunch of different directors. So follow a bouncing ball on this. Um, the original director was Norman Torog, but he only filmed one scene. Um, and then he was replaced by Richard Thorpe, uh, who only filmed one scene. Um, and then George Cukor took over whenever they were not happy with what Thorpe was doing. Um, but he was really more of like a creative director. He didn't actually film anything, he, but he made a lot of the changes that um, we, we came to know. So, for example, um, he... Originally, like um, the like Dorothy was kind of had a blonde wig and she was like in kind of like baby makeup and she was like acting way more childish. Um, he changed all that. He changed the witch's makeup. I don't know what the original makeup for the witch was, but he changed that. He added over the rainbow to the to the to the movie because uh, they had they were gonna cut it because they they thought it was too undignified to be st- standing in front of a barn singing a song and they thought that little kids wouldn't get it. Um, yeah. Like they they that would just go over kids' heads. Like the theme of the song about wanting to, you know, wanting something more than what life has to offer. That that would go over kids' heads. Um. So he added that. But then he had to go uh, take a, he had to go do something else. So they took him off the movie, um, and then um, and then Fleming came in after that. Fleming right? came in, right? Um, I think George Cukor. What did he? He may have had to go to Gone with the Wind. Actually, um, I think that's why he left Wizard of Oz because uh, he had to go mess with Gone with the Wind. Right. Um, 
and then um, he, uh, Victor Fleming did most of the film, and then he was eventually replaced at the very end by um, King Vidor, who, uh, who, who, who has the best name, name of all bro. time, King Vidor. I love that name. Uh, and he ended up taking over. He, he filmed, like, a lot of the Kansas scenes. So, like, like four or five different directors did this movie. Uh, Victor Fleming is the one who gets on-screen credit. Like, it's whenever you see the film, it says, directed by Victor Fleming. Um, right. But uh, it really had, like, five different directors. Yeah, which is wacky. Um, it, I mean, that's a lot. I mean... <laughs> So it was kind of a cursed movie in the in the in the in the production. So they and they spent a lot of money. I mean, this is a major production. I mean, yeah, I, I know I was making fun of the the big you know fake walls and stuff, but I mean, uh, the set design, the costumes, the makeup. This was a major major production, that like on a grand scale uh, for the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I can only imagine like you know like the lab. I mean, the 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 Kansas set was you know pretty standard i guess for the time but like the 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 wacky set that they had to come up with not just for munchkin land but for emerald city for the witch's castle just this is some pretty outlandish stuff yeah so sorry i was going over my notes again so here's here so here's what happened so george cuker did leave to go direct con with the wind uh, and then Fleming uh, replaced him, did most of the movie, and then George Cougar got kicked off of Gone with the Wind, and Fleming got reassigned to Gone with the Wind, and that's why King Vidor took over. Ah. So it's like, it was just the whole, like, this kind of big incestual MGM director thing going on back and forth. <laughs> Which is funny, that's because crazy. the two, th- when you think about the year 1939, the film year 1939, you think of those two movies. You think of Wizard of Oz, you think of Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, is, it is famously one of the best years in movie history. Like, so many movies came out that year that are considered classics. Um, and it was just one of those, like, most, in, you know, infamous years in, in movies. Um, uh, and a cheap plug, if you want to hear us talk about Gone with the Wind, go back to episode two, I think it was. <laughs> No, it was, it was like episode four or five because we four did five. we did a couple before Gone with the Wind. And our, that episode's almost as long as Gone with the Wind too. It's a pretty long yeah, episode. There you go. <laughs> um, so, as you mentioned earlier, the the movie, even though it was massive production and had a lot of hype behind it, um, it was not necessarily a bomb, but it did not it it did kind of not meet expectations financially. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, this is one of those. Uh... It's very easy. Some things haven't changed. Like it's very easy for like a studio to kind of get cold feet after seeing returns for you know for the box office the way like the Wizard of Oz got. Uh, I can only imagine what Warner Brothers is thinking right now with the Justice League returns. So yeah, because they were uh, yeah because they were expecting 110, but it came in at 96, and that's a disappointment. Like 96 million dollars is a disappointment. That's what I'm saying too. Like that's still that's still a lot of money. I I mean, come on, guys. I I know you expected more money, but you know that movie's going to stay in theaters for a while. You know you're going to sell tons of toys and Blu-rays and DVDs and digital sales and streaming and all this other stuff. You're going to make that money back just fine, you know? Yeah, see, but, see, but the problem is what they're seeing, instead of listening to that, what they're seeing is, oh, the Avengers opened with $207 million and Justice League only got 96 Well, that's because of all like, the well, bad decisions guys, they you made. You guys messed their... it up. Yeah, that's it was, why. It, it's not Justice League. I mean, look, uh, it's kind of an odd conversation, but Justice League was, an, was a decent movie that had to overcome the bad business decisions made by Warner Brothers leading up to Justice exactly. League. Exactly. So, it, it ha- I mean, and in the storytelling of that movie, it 
you can tell, like, because it had to introduce so many characters at once, which is one of the things I kind of had a problem with, as opposed to the Avengers movies where, like, you already knew all the characters going in, and you had a relationship with all the characters going in. Um, you know, that's one of the major problems with Justice League. So it... it uh, it had to overcome a lot of that stuff. So ninety, you should just consider $96 million a win because that's a lot of money, and Avengers did better because people had a better connection to those characters. Justice League didn't do as well because nobody knows who the hell Cyborg is. Hey. <laughs> Boom. And honestly, no one cares. Cyborg's a terrible character. Anyway. I'm sure half the people didn't know who Steppenwolf was. Like, who? <laughs> that's another, that's another Why thing I didn't to like care about, about that guy? Movie. Like I like that movie, but that's another thing. I, that that that's and we'll go in more in depth when we do that Force Perspective episode. But like that is like the fakest looking villain I've ever seen. Like he did not look real ever. Like every time he's on screen, I was like, that's just one giant CGI thing. Like when I watched yeah, Thor this year with, with the Hulk, I never doubted the, the like I never read through my mind that Hulk. Obviously, the Hulk is a big CGI creation, but he was convincing, and I never thought I never. I was able to suspend my disbelief with him. Every time I saw Steppenwolf, I was like, okay, this is a big digital blob on the screen right now. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking about that, too. It's really odd. Like, I was watching Thor, and not once during Thor that I think anything looked fake. Not even the Hulk. But, like, during the final battle, like, everything looked fake in Justice League. You know, Steppenwolf looked fake. Like, a lot of stuff looked fake. And it's, it like, so it reminded fake. me of Green Lantern bad, you yeah, know? Yeah, it looked bad. Um, but anyway... Uh, but, yeah, but to it kind of bring this back a little bit. To bring uh, it back, it, it, it just goes studios. Studios haven't changed when it comes to things like this. Like yeah. when when things don't perform how they expect, they they freak out. Now, um, now to this point, wasn't this movie the most expensive production? It ever? was the most expensive. I think it cost like in 1939 dollars, like like two and a half million dollars or something like that. And it made three, so it technically made money back, but it didn't make enough money back. I think that's what the issue is. Oh, yeah, there like, you go. In the nineteen thirty nine dollars, it's a lot of money. Ninety six million dollars, but apparently that's not enough. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm sure it costs like two or three hundred million though that movie though. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, so like, I mean, they, I mean, I don't know how I, I don't know what the inflation rate is, but I mean, three million dollars was a ton of money in nineteen thirty nine. It just wasn't enough to to counteract the two and a half million they spent to make it. Right. Um, so the movie kind of, it, you know, it did have a like, so like the movie was, you know, it did go on to get nominated that year for like a bunch of Academy Awards. It won two for Over the Rainbow, and I forget what the other one was. Um, I'm going to look it up here. It was, it won, um, oh, I don't know here. Now I, I lost it. Um, I had the list up here. Okay, it won uh, for best for best music score, and it won for song for Over the Rainbow. So the both the things that it won were for um, music. It was nominated for best picture for cinematography, uh, art direction, and special effects. All of which it lost to Gone with the Wind because Gone with the Wind sweep that year. <laughs> um, um, it, it, Gone with the Wind won all those categories, um, and um, it. Uh, but but Judy Garland did get like an honorary acting award for like a juvenile Oscar, which if you've ever seen like those juvenile Oscars, they're actually like little mini Oscars. So like they're not the full oh, size really? statue; they're like a little midget version of the statue, which I think is hilarious. So so during those Oscars, essentially Victor Fleming was competing with himself. Right? Yeah, kind of right. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is so it's very trippy. It is weird. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so it, it did get it did get an awards claim, and it, it it was very it was a critical success. Like every like it was a very it was a much beloved movie. It just didn't do financially what they wanted it to do, um, and it kind of faded away until uh, nineteen fifty six, I believe, whenever um, it aired on television over Thanksgiving, and then it became a um, let's see, the nineteen fifty six broadcast on CBS Network introduced the film to a wider public. And then it made it an annual tradition on Thanksgiving, and which is why it's connected to Thanksgiving so much. Which I think is so weird that it's not playing this year. That's odd because TBS always played it, right? Like it was always yeah, TBS. it was always TBS. At least as early as late, I should say, as like 2011, 2012, they were showing it. That's so weird. It's, I mean, I, maybe it just doesn't get the ratings anymore. But I mean, what else are you going to show on Thanksgiving Day? No one's watching TV on Thanksgiving. They're always watching TV. There's stuff in their face. Dinner, Come like on. just put it on. Or they're man. watching football. Like at least Turner, Turner Classic Movies can't play it. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Um, so, um, yeah, so it became like, it, it, because of that kind of annual airing, it became much more beloved and much more part of Americana. Uh, it, it's kind of like It's a Wonderful Life, uh, where It's a Wonderful Life, you know, faded faded away. And then once it got reintroduced on television every single year, it became a much bigger part of the, the pop culture. Yeah, and I told that story too when we did a It's a Wonderful Life. How every year after the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on Thanksgiving, they would show immediately after the Santa Claus came down the parade path and the parade ended, they would show It's a Wonderful Life. They don't do that anymore. They show the stupid dog show. But uh, but I still remember as a kid growing up and you know expecting okay, so the parade's over, so they're gonna show It's a Wonderful Life. They did that every single year till about maybe like 2000 and like. I forgot it, it was some it's sometime this decade I think that they they stopped doing that and they started showing the the Westminster Kennel Club dog show for whatever reason so I don't know the West the dog kennel I hated that I wish they stayed when they, they, they remember raw. they preempted raw for that yeah shit, so, <laughs> I which hated is so that. weird yeah. I hated that um but yeah it, it it is now an undeniable classic um it it has a it, like a, a an enormous legacy like i said it uh um it, it's it's a part of you know pop culture uh like it's if afi it's been on pretty much every afi list it's on their 100 movies 100 thrills 100 villains with uh, the wicked witch at number 4 which that's a decent ranking cuz the wicked witch was scary as a kid i remember that being kind of scary my my daughter actually doesn't like the wicked witch either whenever she sees her oh wow uh, uh, Over the Rainbow, the number one song of all time, according to AFI. I can, that, yeah, I'm not going to argue that. Um, uh, Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead also made the 100 songs list. Okay. Uh, it's at number 82, but still. All right. And then it has a bunch of quotes on the AFI uh, greatest quotes. Uh, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. It was at number four. There's no place like home at number 23. And I'll get you my pretty and your little dog, too, at number 99. So three, I think the only movie that beats it as far as that many quotes on the list is Casablanca. And I think it's tied with Gone with the Wind as far as quotes go on that list. Oh, wow. Because uh, Gone with the Wind has, Gone with the Wind is number one with Franklin Madeira, don't give a damn. Um, yeah. But it also has, um, uh, as God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again. And I forget the other one it has. Um, Oh, tomorrow is another day. It's another day. Yeah. Um, and the, but uh, so I mean, those those quotes are you know everyone knows what those quotes are. Uh, it, it is pretty much like it, it as a, as far as legacy goes, it this movie is never going away. Yeah, that's uh, even though they're not playing it, on Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly, but but even so, 
I mean, you it, you'd be hard pressed to walk down your neighborhood, walk down any busy street. And ask people, do you have you seen The Wizard of Oz? And you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that will say, no, I haven't seen it. Because it's just that much ingrained in our culture at this point that, you know, everybody at some point has seen this movie. Yeah, I mean, if, if you have not seen The Wizard of Oz, you're like uh, a newborn baby. Because everyone's seen it. Have to be. Like, if you haven't seen it, like, I, I am legitimately, I would legitimately be shocked if I met, like, an adult who has never seen this movie. Of course. <laughs> the only way I would I would be like not shocked is if they were like an immigrant from another country that didn't you know that didn't have as much TV or, or movies or something like that. But if you're an American-born person or have been in this country for longer than a year and you've never seen The Wizard of Oz, I I would be legitimately shocked because this it's it's not even a movie you watch. It's just you. It's just like I feel like everyone just knows it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. So, you know, it does have this legacy, and uh, it did kind of inspire a lot of different sequels and adaptations and spin-offs. Um, I just want to go quickly through some of the more notable ones. We did talk about Return to Oz already, which is... Um, oh, before we get to that, the, the Urban Legends uh, that you talked about earlier. Um, oh, the, uh, yeah. There was always this urban... The one I always heard. I'm not sure... Yeah, let's talk about the 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 most famous one first. The most famous one is that after the scene with the... Where the Tin Man song... uh, Where he sings, um, uh, If I I Only Had a Heart. And they, you know, they hook arms and they start singing, We're Off to See the Wizard, as they go down the Yellow Brick Road. You supposedly see someone hanging from one of the trees in the background and it was always said oh it's a munchkin that committed suicide that's the story i always heard is it the same one that you heard yes that's the one okay um that's not true (laughs) if you watch it on the blu-ray which basically clears everything up it's it's just like a stork in the background yeah, it was. A, I don't know if it was a stork, but it was like a giant bird. They it's said like a giant that, bird. Like, it was yeah, a, it's, uh, flapping its wings or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where the dead midget came from, but it's not a midget. It's it's a stork. But it's so weird the way that it, it was like supposedly like this this munchkin fell in love with another munchkin on set, and she rejected him, so he killed himself. Like you know, it was like, they came up with this like whole backstory to it. It was like so it kind of sounds like it could be true, but no, it's not true. One one thing that is true about the Munchkins, though, is uh, apparently they uh, kind of timely with all the di- different you know accusations going on nowadays. But apparently they all got a grope in at Judy Garland. Like they were all like apparently terrible. <laughs> they were all twenty little midgets that, that, either, that were like trying to imagine those little guys doing that. It's just it's kind of effed up because she was like a she wasn't she was still a minor at that point, wasn't she? Wasn't she like sixteen or something? Like she was yeah. not. That's not. That's not. I don't care if you're little. That's not appropriate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, just thinking about it, it, it's like half of me wants to laugh, and half of me wants to be like, "Oh, those those scumbags," you know. <laughs> I think. I, th- I think what's kind of it's kind of a a morbid thing to morbid piece of trivia. I think there's now officially no one alive that worked on that movie because for the longest time, the only people alive were were Munchkins because they were. Like, a lot of them were, like, little kids that were on the set, like, playing the Munchkins, right? And so they, you know, even after everyone else died, like, there were still a lot of Munchkins that were alive. But I think the last of the Munchkins is, is dead. Like, I don't think there's any Munchkins left. Really? I think. Only, I, I only say that because the documentary from the 70th anniversary, which I believe the 70th was 2010, if I'm not mistaken, 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forget. But, uh... 
they they had a segment on the documentary that I watched where they, they talked about like the the Oz fests, mm-hmm. and one of the Munchkins was was there. I forgot the guy's name. It was the uh, the guy who played the uh, the coroner of Munchkinland. I forgot his name, but. He was still alive. Um, I don't. I'm, I'm gonna check now if he's actually. Okay, still I, alive. I just looked it up. Yeah. I just looked that. I am wrong. There's only one Munchkin left. Uh, it's him, he, right? And he is 93 years old. His name is Jerry Marin. Uh, he was the. He was a member of the Lollipop Guild. Oh, <laughs> so it's not even the same. Oh, so then he was. He almost have died then. Hold yeah, on. he's Find the out. last surviving. I thought. I thought there was. I thought they were all dead, but he is the last one alive. Wow. So he's the last person the last actor from the Wizard of Oz that is still alive. Oh, Meinhardt Rab was the coroner. Oh, he died in 2000. So like a year after the documentary, he died then. Oh, wow. 2010. Okay. Interesting. And you said the old Lollipop Guild guy is the last one a lot. Yeah. He, I don't think wow. he's... Let's see. Um, he's, it says he portrayed a member of the Lollipop Guild. I don't know if he's like the guy that actually says... We are the Lollipop Guild or not. But. <laughs> no, but what, what I always found funny, and this is kind of wrong for me to say, is like during the credits, I would always see, like, I still remember this and thinking, like, why would they say that? You know, they, like, there's the group called the Singer Midgets as the Munchkins. <laughs> like, they actually called the Singer Midgets, bro. Like, <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to say midget anymore. I think they're called the. I know, right? Exactly. That's why, <laughs> that's why it's weird. <laughs> But like in, in the credits, they actually advertise as the singer midgets, as the Munchkins. So okay, so you know why I think I got I, I got mixed up is because there, apparently there was a bunch like a year ago there were a bunch of stories like saying that he was dead, but he's not dead. Like he he had to come out and say, it. and I'm not dead. Oh, so, he, so we got one of those death hoaxes. He, he, he like got a uh, death hoax. That's why I thought that he was dead because because I fell I fell for the death hoax. But he is he is still alive. He is the last remaining member of the Wizard of Oz still alive. Wow. Well, God bless him. <laughs> I mean, he's 96, so... So, <laughs> so you know. Uh, I mean, who knows how long, how long he has. Um, I hope he wasn't one of the ones that groped Judy Garland. Oh, let's hope that's, not. That's so messed up. Can you imagine? You're just like the 16-year-old kid, and there's a bunch of like little little men just grabbing at you. I I shouldn't be laughing because it's a serious thing. It is, but that's what I'm saying too. Like I feel bad laughing at it, but it's just it's imagining kind of that is funny to me. I don't know why. <laughs> well, we'll have to put that guy with uh, Charlie Rose if that's true. Uh, oh yeah. Oh that that one just came. It's like man, that, that one, broke my heart, bro. Like, Come on, Charlie Rose. <laughs> oh man. Like Charlie. I said this on Facebook. Throw like, him in the be- throw him in the pen with Louis C.K. and all those no, guys. right? And uh, uh, Al Franken and like like if if <laughs> like I I'm telling you right now. I said this on Facebook, but if if it ever comes, like every time I, a new new one comes out in my head, I'm like, please not Tom Hanks, please not Tom Hanks. No, the, no Tom way. Tom Hanks is no, America's can't be, dad, ever. right? He's America's dad. You don't want him to like be be guilty of something lascivious like that, right? So like, no. if it ever comes out like that, he like groped some woman or like sexually assaulted someone, I'm just gonna quit life because yeah. like <laughs> everything about like everything I know is just gonna be false. Like I'm just gonna question everything in life, you know. See, and, and it, 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 what's funny about you saying that, it's like, because it's so true. It's like, I, I thought the world was done when Trump won. 
No, when, well, when a sexual assault allegation comes out from Tom Hanks, that's when the well, that's when I'm done. Yeah, that's, that's when, when the done. world if is finished. If it turns out Tom Hanks is like a, a is like a serial like groper, I'm gonna be so disappointed in in in, <laughs> in, in everything I know about living life as just human. life, bro. <laughs> I'm just it's, that's it. It's done. We've lost. Um, but um. Oh, the other thing I wanted to bring up before we get onto the the sequels and the spinoffs is um Margaret Hamilton um uh, after this movie you know she was obviously she was forever linked with this movie as the witch uh, so much so that like she um uh little kids would like legitimately be afraid of her when they met her because she because uh, other than the nose she looks exactly like the witch um and the green skin obviously um so right. so, so she went which and i just actually found this out in like doing some research for the show like i was looking up youtube clips and stuff and i saw i found this clip of uh margaret hamilton it was like in the 80s i think uh going on the mr rogers show and showing kids look it's just a costume it's just make believe you know you don't have to be afraid and things like that which is like one of like the sweetest things i think i've ever seen uh, just to, like just this this, this this kindly old lady who you could never imagine like and then she did, but then she does the laugh you're like oh there it is <laughs> like there it is you know is. um she's like see it's just it's just pretend it's just make believe but it's like it's like one of those kind of heartwarming like mr rogers segments that, that makes you go oh you know that's another one if you like find out that like mr rogers was like doing some horrible things you know like, oh like, no I mean, let's, let's now, not but, even go there but like he, i think he's been there for like 10 15 years but, don't like, speak out, the dead. Like, someone some one of the puppeteers in the land of make-believe was like assaulted by oh, him i'd be God. like really upset <laughs> um but yeah you can look up you can look that up on youtube just search uh, mr rogers margaret hamilton it's like it's a, it's a really sweet little clip uh, of her like trying to like tell little kids it's okay and it's just a character you don't have to be afraid oh um, awesome but uh but no the worst thing i ever saw regarding mr rogers is when he showed up on the simpsons <laughs> <laughs> when PBS was chasing Homer, he goes like, "It's a beautiful day to kick your ass." <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the worst thing I'll ever see associated with Mister Rogers. <laughs> That's the thing is like, because every time the more time goes on, you find out like the nicer things that he does and that he used to do, and like you just find out this man was like, because when you're when you're like a teenager, you're like, "Oh, Mister Rogers is lame," but like when you find out he was just like, he was just a nice guy. Yeah, he just he just wanted to teach kids lessons and teach them to be good moral people like he was just a nice man <laughs> like and i just hope it just stays that way as long as i'm alive i just want it to stay that way and i don't want any accusations to come out against fred rogers that he did something bad i just wanted to say that he was always a nice man yeah <laughs> let's not even consider that that could be wrong him and tom hanks if anything him and tom hanks they are in a special little box that that if anything happens i will my my world will, will crumble Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely crumble. Um, but anyway, so uh, going back to like the legacy, uh, it, it did spawn a bunch of sequels and, and spinoffs. Return to Oz, which we already talked about, um, which is a dark, weird movie. Um, the other one is uh, The Wiz, which is a... Uh, I, I'm not sure which came first, the, the, music, the stage musical or the, the, the movie? The Wiz, do you know? I think the, the the Broadway show was first. Okay, and and that is basically um, where they took uh, basically an all black cast and made it more like jazzy. Uh, like, I don't know if that's the word I want to like a jazz kind of inspired version of of, of, of the songs of of uh, and story of the Wizard of Oz uh, using all an all black cast, and then they made the movie in seventy oh, seventy eight. 
Yeah, and Michael Jackson. Oh, so so the, so the same year as Moment by Moment, which you have to watch the trailer <laughs> for. That that's the same year that The Wiz came out. Yeah, and that uh, Michael Jackson was a scarecrow. Diana Ross was um, Dorothy. Um, Nipsey Russell, which every time I hear his name, I always crack up because it's a funny name. Uh, was the Tin Man? I don't remember. I don't know who the. It's like King Vidor, bro. <laughs> yeah, King Vidor. That's a, that's like one of the best names ever, King Vidor. Um, I don't know who the lion was i think lena horn was in there richard pryor was the wizard um it's been a long time since i've seen it so i, I don't remember who else is in it but those are the main ones uh i know diana ross michael jackson nipsey russell richard pryor for sure and yeah. I, I don't know who else is in it though well i haven't seen the movie and oh, the you only... haven't seen it. yeah and it's weird because sydney lumet directed it like like it's a weird choice for a director sydney lumet, really you know? oh yeah. yeah i'm looking at it now yeah Bro, screenplay by Joel Schumacher. What? No. That's what it says. Go look at it. Oh my god, you're right. It is there. <laughs> oh. Freaking Shoemaker, bro. <laughs> this taught me right now. Like this is this is like a mind mind bend right now. Joel <laughs> Schumacher wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Okay. And it's the same one that made the. Yeah. No, I I just looked movie. at it. You're right. That is it is him. Okay, so <laughs> Lena Horn was Glinda. Richard Pryor was the wizard. Ted Ross was the lion. I'm not sure who Ted Ross is. I don't know who that is. I'm sure if I looked it up, I'd know, but I the name does not ring a bell. Um, but I, right. I knew who the other ones were. But yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I might that might that might be a revisit soon. Um, but yeah, that that's a that was a famous um, adaptation. Uh, then oh man, were... I'm just glad that Schumacher wrote it and was not directing it. He would have put nipples on the scarecrow costume. <laughs> you know what? And his two terrible Batman movies aside, he's not <laughs> a bad director. Like he's actually a pretty decent right. director. He just made two bad Batman movies, you know. And and I, I mean, I, I rag on him, but you're absolutely right. Uh, Time to Kill, I like uh, Tigerland. I like. There's some there's some good movies that he made. He did Lost Boys. He did uh, uh, Falling Down. I mean, he's a good director. He's just made bad, bad Batman movies. And you know what? In retrospect, like 20 years later, I kind of like Batman and Robin now. I think it's kind of a fun, stupid movie. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, it, it, because you know why? Because if you watch it as a, as like a big screen Adam West movie, it totally works. Like, oh, okay. If, <laughs> if you watch like it as Adam like, West a, Batman, like with like the, the Adam West TV show in mind, which is I think what he was trying to do, uh, it absolutely works. But I've told you for years I don't like those Bat- those Adam West Batmans, <laughs> so that doesn't work for me. Uh, I don't know. I love those Adam West Batmans, so uh, I, uh, I, uh, I I was a big I, I was a big fan of those. So I, I you know what I I kind of I'm not saying Batman and Robin's a good movie. It's a bad movie, but it's a it's a fun bad movie to watch. I and I can't get mad at Arnold Schwarzenegger delivering pun- delivering puns. I just can't. And it, but what's funny about that, like, I mean, I it, I admit it's terrible, but, like, I will still sit through it if it's on TV. Like, I'll just, like, if there's nothing else, Dude, I'll leave it I on. if I sit there and I see, if I see blue Arnold Schwarzenegger, glowing blue Arnold Schwarzenegger come on my screen and go, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Ice I'm age. in. I'm in for the rest of the movie. <laughs> or or give him, give him the, the, the wacky thumbs up and take cool party. <laughs> Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. <laughs> Terrible. All right. Oh man. <laughs> so how how do we take this turn? Because we were talking about the Wiz. And... 
<laughs> anyway, um, I, well, I haven't seen the movie, but the only uh, production of The Wiz I saw was actually a school production that uh, an old coworker of mine was actually starring in as Dorothy. So oh. I went to her school and uh, I got to watch that production of The Wiz. So that's the only version I've seen was that school production. But uh, I have been wanting to see the, the film for, for a long time. I just haven't gotten around to it. I mean, it's worth it just to see Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow, because it's, yeah. like, it's just wacky to see Michael Jackson, first of all, in a movie, because he's never really acted that much, other than, like, yeah. what, Moon Moonwalker? Thriller. <laughs> was it, that was called Moonwalker? The one where Smooth I think, it was, I think it was called Moonwalker. Yeah. Um, and uh, Captain EO. <laughs> <laughs> thriller thriller being his masterpiece i mean that i love that little short film um yeah. but then uh there's also this sci-fi miniseries that came out about 10 years ago that i actually sat the one, the the one was zoe de chanel right yeah the one was zoe de chanel it's called tin man uh and it had um what's his face from uh the captain america movies um oh what's his name i i, I can picture him in my head uh neil mcdonough uh, he 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 played the Tin Man, and it was like a re It was like a quote unquote reimagining. So yeah. it wasn't like it was. It, it was still like a fantasy world, but it was like a lot more steampunk kind of fantasy world. Like the Tin Man wasn't an actual Tin Man, but it referred to like the 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 the, the police in 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 Oz that were called Tin Men. Um, the Scarecrow was just kind of like this guy who's kind of out of his mind, who's crazy. I forget what the lion was because it's been a while since I saw it. Um, and then uh, Dorothy was just called DZ. I think her name was DZ, and then I don't know why. Anyway, but it was uh, it was a uh, or DG. Maybe it was DG. I don't remember. Uh, anyway, it was it's a weird, it's a really weird trippy take on the. Oh, and then freaking Richard Dreyfus shows up as Oz at one point. <laughs> it's so weird. It's a weird movie. It's a it's like a miniseries. So it's like. It, all together, it probably runs about four hours. Um, it, was, it was like four one-hour episodes, I think. Um, it's it, it, it's kind of worth a watch, but it's kind of also weird. Like it's not great, but it's it's an interesting take on it because it's totally like dead serious. Like it's not it, it's not like played for comedy or anything. It's like a totally straight thing. And and, and here's uh, okay. So side story here. I'm going go a little another little tangent about this particular movie because. I've had this movie in my Amazon cart for like I think <laughs> like six years. Yeah. It's been this Blu-ray has been sitting in my Amazon cart because I've been wanting to buy it, um, but uh, I have never gotten around to it because I've been hearing good things about Tin Man. Like I've heard like mixed things, but I also heard like some really good things. I was like my curiosity was like, you know, do I want to blind buy this? I don't know if I'll like it. You know, but but uh, I should tell you the whole reason it's even in my cart in the first place is because this was during that phase when I had a crush on Zoe De Chanel for like a long time. I think after like five hundred days of summer, I had like a yeah. huge crush on her. So like that sat in my cart for years and it was put in my cart because she was in it, and that uh, I just never got around to buying it. I mean, it's not bad. It's not, but I, it, it's not a bad movie. But I, I I hesitate to call it good if that makes sense, right? It's it's definitely interesting and like I appreciate that they did something new and different, right? Because it's much more of like a, an, an adventure, like sci-fi adventure thing than it is a uh, a family musical thing, right? So um, it's it's weird and it it might be worth a watch. I I can't really recommend it, but you know proceed with caution that's what i would say gotcha um, so if you, you know so what if, I, if, I bet you it's probably cheap for this then i bet you What's can that? find it cheap yeah 
Uh, let me, let I think it's like here. ten bucks now. That's the thing. I still haven't Dude, bought it. You can watch it on Amazon Video for two dollars. There you go. So watch it for two for two dollars. It's totally worth it. Yeah, but like to, I, ha- I have to invest a whole day for it because if it's four hours, like you know, it's what it's like watching the Watchmen the Ultimate Cut. I have to devote a whole day to it, or like the Lord of the Rings extended cuts. You know. Oh yeah, that's coming up for me too. Because like I, I, I make it a yearly tradition to sit through Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and the Star Wars trilogy like around Christmas and Thanksgiving time, just because that's whenever I have time off, you know, so I can like sit and watch movies like all day. So uh, it's like a yearly tradition for me to watch those two trilogies like back to back. So that's coming up for me. And the and the Lord of the Rings is a marathon because it's like literally half a day. I just like... uh, bought the uh, the Hobbit set with the extended cuts. Which I haven't watched yet. I have, I, I, have the, I have the extended cuts of all three Hobbit movies, um, and I only bought them because I have the extended cuts of The Lord of the Rings. Me and I too. Was like, I was like, I, it seems it was just as a completist, it was weird for me not to have the extended cuts of those movies. And I, I am right them. there with you, 100%. That's the only, because it was on sale for like, I think, 40 on Amazon one day. It was deal of the day. So like, you know what? I don't really need these extended cuts, but I have the extended cut to Lord of the Rings, so it'd be stupid not to have this just as a completionist. So I, I that's why I bought it. <laughs> and, and and the thing is, like, I watched it, and it was like I watched the extended cuts, and I was like, wow, this is even even longer than those than those movies <laughs> in the theater. And I'm like, it's even more boring than I thought it was. <laughs> so I have only seen the extended cuts of those once. Um, there is, however, so you know how they have the despecialized editions that someone went out and. And you know, cleaned up the Star Wars movie. Star Wars, uh, and then they also have like the the prequel edits, like the Phantom edit and things like that. There's a Hobbit edit, fan edit. It's called the Tolkien edit, and it basically takes all three movies and makes it one four-hour movie, which is still long, but it's still better than like three three-hour movies. So it's one four-hour-long movie, and it is literally they just go none of the extra stuff, it's only what's in the, the book. book. Only what's in the book is what we're is what we're editing into the film, and so I watched it, and it's and all all uh, what's the word I'm looking for all uh, uh, discretion here, it it, it it I it is not a legal thing to do to 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 download this film, but you know proceed at your own you know at your own caution, uh, but it is available if you know how to find it to watch online, and I watched it and it is a much better film. When it just focuses on stuff in the book, because I read the book when I was a kid, and like when I sat there like watching those movies in the theater, I'm like, I don't remember this, I don't remember that, I this in here, <laughs> you know. But whenever I watched it, when I watched the quote unquote Tolkien edit, I was like, yeah, this is this is the book I remember, just this stuff. So like, um, it's a much better film that way, and when you when it's just one four hour movie as opposed to like, and you know what, they could have done that if they would have just made two two hour movies. They could have totally gotten away with that. They they did not need a third three hour movie. That was just absolutely unnecessary. Yeah, but with Peter Jackson, you know how Jackson is. That guy. Uh, he's I don't too... think it was his fault. I think that I think it was Warner Brothers' fault. And New Line really it was because it was. I think they made him do it. I, I I think he was planning on one, and then they made him do two, and then he and then finally they were like, well, just do three, just do a trilogy. So he had to go back and add stuff from like the Similarian. Uh, the book from from Tolkien and stuff, because like in the Hobbit book, uh, there's just points where Gandalf just disappears, right, and then he comes back. That's actually in the book. Um, it's like there were long stretches of chapters where you just don't see Gandalf. So in the movies, they just said, "Well, let's see what Gandalf's doing," and like we don't really need to see what Gandalf is doing. 
Like, I don't need to see his whole side adventure while The Hobbit is doing something else. It's called Hobbit, not the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, just focus on the freaking Hobbit. It's named after him. You know, like, I don't need to know what Gandalf is up to with, you know, the other... Apparently, neither did Tolkien think we needed to know. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a separate story. You don't, you want to make that movie? Make that a separate movie. But let's just focus on The Hobbit, right? Anyway, right. Um, but yeah, as, as a one four-hour movie, it works better than three three-hour movies. Right. So yeah, I definitely need to seek that out then. I think my my old buddy Tori Rent could probably find it for me. It's out so. there. You can find it. Again... Yeah. Proceed at your own, you know, discretion and risk. Um, well, you know, Mr. Rent doesn't really care about discretion. No. Um, and then the only other kind of major, uh, like, spinoff or sequel, we talked a little bit about it earlier, was the Disney uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, which we reviewed on Force Perspective. I think we kind of yes, gave it a favorable review. It's okay. Yeah. I really I really liked that movie, actually. It was really, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's aged well, because I haven't really watched it in a couple of years now. It, but it was the I remember time I've first watching it and really liking it. Yeah, I, I liked it, like, I remember liking it. I don't remember anything else about it, to be honest. So, like, I I remember it started in black and white, like the Wizard of Oz does, and it goes into color when he goes into Oz. And I remember they kind of used the, quote-unquote, magic of movie making to show that he's a wizard. Um, right. But that's it. Like, I don't remember anything else about that movie, honestly. I really don't. So it probably doesn't bode well if I tried to watch it again. <laughs> right. Uh, I remember Franco's okay um, in the film. And I remember Zach Braff was like a monkey or something. Zach Braff was the monkey. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, what's her name? Michelle Williams was the Was witch. Glinda. Was Glinda. Uh, and uh, what's her name from that 70s show? Mila Kunis was the witch, Mila right? Kunis. Mm-hmm. The witch of the West. She ended up being the witch of the West. Okay. Yeah, that's all I remember. <laughs> that's that's it. I remember who was in it. <laughs> that's it. I don't remember anything else. Um, but I, I, from what I remember, it was okay. Um, and I don't think we liked it at the time. So we did. Uh, folks, don't necessarily take that as a recommendation because I don't remember it well enough to see it, to remember it was good. But I remember when I watched it, liking it. So maybe on a first time, it's fine. Right. Um, and that'll about do it. So we didn't go well, well, like... well, well, before uh, before we move on. We ha- we can't not talk about Wicked. Oh, Wicked! That's, that's... I've never seen Wicked. Like it's 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 that I've I, seen Wicked. I, I, I'm like the only person in America who's never seen Wicked. I know the songs because like you know the songs are like everywhere, but like I've I've for whatever reason have never had the opportunity to see it. Well, I mean, you come to New York often enough for 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 your job. That's true. So, like... That's true. It's still on Broadway, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, and it's go. not going away anytime soon. It's like The Lion King. It's, it's go going to be uh, there a while. I could go to Times Square and get those like half price tickets, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely do that. I don't know if you want to bring the wife along next time if you're able to. And just you both could go check that out. It's really good. Well, really the problem is show. with those things is like, as you know, whenever I tell you I'm coming, it's like I usually find out like a week in advance or something. A week in advance. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, hey, you're going to New York. So it's like, all right, well. <laughs> so like, it's so, like the wife can't necessarily like – Drop everything. Just she's drop doing everything. And, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, next time I go, I that's a good idea. I don't know why I haven't done that before because there are times when I in my evening where I just have nothing to do when I could just go see a show. Well, I mean, if you, if you can give me like I I don't like like you just said, you usually give me like a week's notice. That's probably good enough for me to be able to, to score some tickets. So just let me know. I can I can hook you up with that. All right. Um, but yeah, Wicked. Tell, tell us about Wicked. Yeah. So Wicked is. Uh, as it's subtitled, the untold story of the witches of Oz. So it's it's uh, based on a book. I forgot who the author is, but it's 
you know, it's like like we talked about earlier in the show. It's the whole Oz franchise is one of those things where like you kind of like how the Star Wars books used to be, where like a, a different author would take on that universe. And so, actually, I'm going to look it up now while I'm talking about this. Um, but basically, this is the story of the Wicked Witch of the West and basically how she became, like, the evil witch because she didn't start out that way. And I don't want to give plot spoilers away because I'm sure people are interested in seeing Wicked or reading the book. So I won't go into the details, but it's basically the main focus of the story is on the Wicked Witch of the West uh, and how she became the way she is. So, uh, but it's a very interesting story, and it kind of differentiates from like the the, the MGM Wizard of Oz, obviously, because it's based on the the Frank Baum, uh, L. Frank Baum universe. Uh, so, but you get, but what I like about it is there's Easter eggs, like there's little Easter eggs that kind of hint or allude to the MGM film, and it kind of pops you when you when you notice it, um, especially at the end. At the end, there's a there's a nice little Easter egg there that kind of hints at the old Wizard of Oz movie, um, but. Um, but it's basically it, it's supposed to be like its own. It's part of the the, the bomb universe. It's supposed to like being a prequel of sorts to the to the film. Okay, interesting. Does it? So, I mean, does it does it line up like perfectly, or, or does they... it? Does, it's not perfect, but they like they do their. It can't be perfect because, like we said, the MGM film is like its own right, thing. Right, right. Um, but it lines up as much as it can. Which is saying a lot. So and and the way they kind of tiptoe around it too is is, is pretty pretty uh pretty clever. Um and like I said, there's Easter eggs that kind of hint at the at the movie as well. Gotcha. Um, it was based on a book, right? I think it was based on a book. Yes, it was uh Winnie Holtzman, I believe, was the author. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the wrong name. It's uh, Gregory Maguire actually wrote the uh, the novel. It says Wicked: The Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West. It's the original title of the novel. And that was adapted into the Broadway show. Hmm. You know, it, it actually had a run here in Chicago like a year ago. Because, I mean, Chicago, I'm not sure. I mean, it's not like Broadway, but it has a really strong theater scene. Um, <clears throat> like, uh, like they, they preview a lot of shows here before they go to Broadway. I remember Kinky Boots was here before it went to Broadway. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, obviously, like, when we got Wicked, it was the touring Wicked cast that after, well after Wicked became popular. Um, but, uh and, and I, you know, this I, was the show that made Adina Menzel famous first. Before yeah, yeah. Well, I thought she was. Wasn't she in Rent first though? Yeah, she was. Yeah. But then, but but her, I think the the Wicked performance got her her right. Tony. I don't that, know if she won. That I did but... know because uh, because I have a huge crush on Adina Menzel. So oh, she's oh, you mean uh, Adele Gazim or Adele whatever Gazim. the hell? Adele <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. No, because I mean, and and if you and if you go through my history of 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 what my type is, she perfectly fits my type. I'm certainly a fan of of, uh, of brown-haired Jewish Jewish women, so um, <laughs> and I married one. Um, but uh, yeah, I did know that 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 is where I first heard of her was was from uh, from Wicked. But I, I I thought I thought she had been in Rent before that. And I was gonna actually make the joke. So like, so you said like Wicked was touring a show a year ago. Yeah, and so I didn't like, go because just opportunity. I just didn't go. But um, but it was here. So for I was like gonna be like, so you month. so you chose to see Evil Dead the musical, but not Wicked. Well, yeah, and I do not regret <laughs> that choice at all. Evil Dead the musical was awesome. I know, man. I missed out on it. And I'm so pissed because it came to my uh to my like little art house like theater where they do like little shows. 
Yeah. But like a, a couple, like a, it's like a week or two week run that was there, and I missed out on it. I got so oh, mad so after you fun, saw dude. it, you liked it. So. It's so much fun because like I, I wasn't in this section, but they have the splash section or whatever it's called, where like yeah. the first two or three rows, you have to like either have like some sort of like blanket or tarp, or just accept the fact that you're gonna be covered in blood by the end because it is like gory. Like there's so much fake blood that's thrown, and it's hilarious. That's awesome, man. Um, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds like a really cool experience. It's so much fun. I I, I wish I could see it again, but it, I I saw it. Actually, it was like two years. It was I think it came like two or three years ago. It's been a while since it came here, but it it, it was a yeah. fun show. I, that was one of my favorite things. But yeah, yeah and I've but never I've... seen Wicked. It's it's one of those things that like I always mean to like want to like like, but opportunity is just uh, never presented itself. I'm actually finally going to see Hamilton. It's touring here in Chicago, and it's uh it's like. We paid like a ridiculous amount of money. Just what was Lin Manuel going to be part no, of? No, of course tour? not. Lin Manuel's not. Not. That's the <laughs> thing. Lin Manuel's not even in it. It's the touring cast, and it was still like hundreds of dollars, you know? <laughs> like, and it was still impossible to get, right? So, like, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. So, um, well, like I said, like if you're when you come by again, if you give me enough notice, I can probably score you some wicked tickets if you really want to go. So, yeah, all right. Yeah, that, that, I, I could totally do that. You know what? Last, like, the first time. I met up with you, like, when I was there on a work trip. Do you know where my ho- – I forget what hotel I was staying at, but I was, like, one block away from, like, the Rocky musical that was there for, like, a month. Oh, at the Winter Garden Theater. Okay. Yeah. I know where I know exactly you where you're that? at then. That looked terrible. I never saw it because it – bro, that – I think that bombed hard because it was only around for, like, maybe, like, two or three months and it closed. Yeah, I so. know. Yeah, I was there whenever it was late. It was, like, the month it opened that I was there. And I was like, oh, look, Rocky. <laughs> No, well, well, no. I mean, that one I wasn't so much sad about because I heard it was, it kind of sucked. Well, what I was sad about when they closed it was American Psycho because I really liked that show. I went to see it. It was really fun. It was a really fun show. Um, very wacky the way they kind of turned that whole story into a musical. Um, and then like after like maybe like three or four months, like they just shuttered it. I guess I don't know why because it was successful. But I, I mean, there was some I, there was some news article as to why it happened. I can't remember why exactly it closed. But like that that one annoyed me because it was like it was a really good show and it was very popular and they just closed it. Like I mean they had to make room for something else, I guess. I don't know. But that's one of those wacky ones that like if it ever comes to your town, like check it out because it's 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 it's, it's fun. Hey, I will. I like that movie, so I, I I would totally I would totally go see an American Psycho music. I always appreciate whenever there's like a a movie that is like how is that a musical? And they turn it into one like Evil Dead. Um, yeah. But also, like, it can go the wrong way, like Rocky. So, like, <laughs> yeah. so there you go. Um, uh, and, and Spider-Man was the other one that was kind of wacky, too. I oh, it was wacky because people kept getting hurt. Yeah, people what. kept dying, right? Like, they kept falling off <laughs> the, the thing. Yep. Oh, my God. Terrible idea. <laughs> anyway, as I wanted to see Spider-Man for the longest time while it was there, I never got around to it, and uh, I just kept hearing the stories. Like it was the running joke on all the late night, like you know Colbert and all those who were making fun of it. So. Yeah, I remember people just kept getting hurt or dying on it. it. Was and they keep closing it and retooling it, and it's like after you have to close it once for someone dying, maybe time to close it forever. You yeah, know? <laughs> like pretty much. Maybe don't keep trying to keep making it. You know. Exactly. Can you, can, you, uh, can you imagine that guy's family? Oh, how did he die? Spider-Man the Musical. <laughs> Spider-Man the Musical. <laughs> oh, sorry. Rest in peace, whoever that actor was. Um, so uh, that'll about do it. So if, if you notice, we didn't go through like the plot like we usually do on these movies because 
we, we everyone knows this story. We don't need to go through the plot. Uh, that's why it was a conscious decision not to go through the plot. Um, but uh, you know, uh, and we usually give recommendations, but it's kind of like it's also kind of a moot point because it's influenced so many other children's movies. It's like it's kind of hard to give a recommendation based off of it. So um, maybe the only thing I could think of is maybe something like Willy Wonka. Um, would be a, a a good pairing with this one. Comparable, but, yeah. Um, but other than that, no, I don't have any uh, recommendations. Do you? Not really, because like I was gonna make the same point that you did. Like every children's movie since 1939 has some influence from The Wizard of Oz. So it's, I mean, by recommending you know one of them, you're recommending all of them in a way. Right. Um, and uh, and so that'll about do it. So you can, uh, it's readily available pretty much everywhere. You can stream it. Uh for digital download or uh sorry you can buy it for digital download or stream it online at all the normal places like amazon itunes whatever uh it is and we didn't we i don't think we ever talked about this uh on this show specifically um but because uh but since they launched that movies anywhere about two months ago um you know if you have uh an account uh on voodoo or amazon or anything like that you could share you can basically have your movies on all of your digital platforms. And it, it, Disney, Sony, Universal, uh, and Warner Brothers are all part of it. Maybe one more? Can't think of the other one. Oh, and Fox. They're all part of it. So, And Wizard of Oz falls under Warner Brothers. So if you buy it on iTunes, you can see you'll be able to access it on Amazon. You'll be able to access it on Vudu, on Google Play. So it's pretty much any any platform you, you want, you can have it on. It's also available, obviously, on physical media. I would recommend the the, uh, the high-def Blu-ray, even though it does kind of kill the illusion sometimes. Um, but it is a beautiful transfer, and it, the, the 70th anniversary has a ton of special features on it, um, a ton of documentaries. It even has, like, this really, like, it's like five-hour, like, MGM documentary that's really interesting. So When the lion roars. Yeah, when the called. lion roars. It's hosted by Patrick Stewart. Um uh, it's a really good documentary, so I would recommend that. That would be my recommendation is to pick up. If, you, if you're a physical media fan, the 70th anniversary Blu-ray is a really is a really complete package. Yeah, absolutely. You can get that one. I think the most recent one is the 75th anniversary, which coincided with the 3D re-release of The Wizard uh, of Oz, right. which I don't know if you ever saw that. No, I never want to see that. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think that needs to be in 3D. I actually own it. Okay. Um, so it was actually, uh, uh, it was a Christmas gift that they gave to my mother when it first came out, the Wizard of Oz in 3D. Um, but we've never opened it, so oh, I couldn't well, tell you, you if it's any good or not. There you go. I would imagine they recycled a lot of the special features onto that. Yeah. Um, uh, so that'll about do it. So it's time to discover our next movie. So given that it's the holiday season, our next movie is going to be holiday theme, like last year we did It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, and so this year we're going to do another holiday movie. However, I am last year I just picked It's a Wonderful Life. I did, we didn't put it through the random movie generator because it was you had for our first holiday movie we had to do It's a Wonderful Life. There was just no question about it, right? Right. This year I am still busting out the random movie generator, but the only movies in the generator today are holiday movies. All Let's right. Let's see. What uh, and we got plenty to choose from as far as classic holiday movies go. Yeah. So let's see what the random Christmas movie generator has for us. Well, (laughs) it's kind of. I swear this is not planned because. 
kind of bridging Christmas and Thanksgiving together, our next movie is going to be Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, all right. Because I just saw Natalie Wood in one movie, and I'm going to see her in another one. All right. <laughs> And good. Just and if if you're curious as to the other movies that were in the 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 generator this time, uh, it was a limited amount of movies, but the the movies that would that were in there that we could have had also included uh, the Bishop's Wife, um, Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> really, bro? <laughs> a, a, it's a Christmas movie. I don't gonna care what you say. Uh, so the Batman cri- Returns better be in that. <laughs> a Christmas Story. Um, Two versions of A Christmas Carol, the 1938 version and the 1951 version. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, I lost the other one. I don't know where it is. But anyway, those at least were in there. So, Wait, the Muppet they, Christmas Carol Oh, the Muppet Christmas Carol. That was the other one. Muppet Christmas oh, okay. Carol. Um, so that, that was, uh, those, those were the movies in the, uh, in the Tumblr. Uh, so we're, we're going to put those aside and save them for next year and see what it picks next year. But for this year... Um, we are going to be doing Miracle on 34th Street. Now, it is November 20th as we record this. I Obviously, we hope to get that episode recorded before Christmas comes. If we have time to do a second episode before Christmas, we might pull the random generator out again. I am not promising that, though, because our schedule can be a little uh, unpredictable sometimes. Yeah. But if we do have time, I'll pull out another Christmas movie. But, that, but consider that a bonus that... That may or may not happen, but for okay. now well, you're well, definitely well, getting happen, miracles. Now, let me just say this: if it does happen, you need to put in Batman Returns. You need to throw in uh, Home Alone, which I I noticed you did not name. I didn't so. name Home Alone because you know what? I, I kind of don't know if we can top our commentary we did on Force Perspective. That that's a fair argument. That's <laughs> you know? very fair. And by the way, we should do another commentary this year. We haven't done one in a while. We haven't done one in a while. I mean, I. I uh, throwing around the idea of doing Gremlins for the we Christmas. We should do Gremlins. One. I love Gremlins. Yeah, I mean, I'll see if I can get some some uh, get the plans together for that because I've had that idea for like ever since Jingle All the Way. I said the next one was going to be Gremlins, but we never we never got around to it. Yeah, but I would love to do that. So, but anyway, uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is our next film. Uh, so uh, make sure you watch that for um for before for our next show. Um, do you, so let's let's get into some quick plugs here. Uh, EssentialFilmsPodcast.com is the website. Um, there you'll find uh, articles and written uh, entries on, on, on movies. I actually just did a, a recent entry on uh, the 1981 Brian De Palma movie Blowout, uh, which uh, is my favorite, other than um, Pulp Fiction, it is my favorite John Travolta movie. Um, it is a fan. If you've never seen Blowout, oh, it's fantastic! It's yeah. such a great movie. Uh, it has my favorite John Travolta performance of all time. Um, and it's until such... you see moment by moment, probably. <laughs> until moment by moment. But it it is like one of the darkest endings I think you've, I've ever seen in a movie. Oh yeah, definitely. It's so freaking. It's the bleakest thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so I have plenty of articles and uh, and things on there. Plus, you'll get uh, updates on the on the podcast there as well. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes um, and rate and review us there as well, so that we can get more people to watch uh, to listen to the show and like us. Um, as well as uh, follow me on at Essential Films on Twitter, like us uh, the Essential Films on Facebook, and you can also follow me personally on at uh, at Adolfo underscore Acosta on Twitter. And of course, we also have. Uh, I am also the co-host of my friend Mark's uh, podcast here, Force Perspective. Mark, over to you. All right. So um, I am doing my absolute best to get – because I'm having some editing difficulties with episode 100 because it's such a massive show. 
Um, worst case scenario, like I talked about with Adolfo before we went on the air, we may have to split it up into two parts, which I'm prepared to do with this one because it's just I'm having a little bit of a headache trying to edit this massive production, which I'm very proud of, by the way. The show came out really good. It's just there's just a lot of, uh, you know, you know, uh, editing here, editing there, like adding some stuff, you know, because it's such a massive pr- uh, production. Uh, this episode 100 is so. Um, I'm hoping to have it up for Thanksgiving because I also want to have up our. Uh, we want to do an extra show where we do Thor, we do Justice League, comes the recent stuff. Um, and then um, you can follow me on Twitter at SportsGuy515. And uh, if you're a wrestling fan, I also do a podcast with uh, my boy Deadin called Planet Jobbers. Where if you're a wrestling fan, you also know we just had Survivor Series weekend come and go. Um, so we had two shows: one talking about the NXT Takeover War Games pay-per-view and then the one talking about survivor series where we recap the show we give our thoughts uh so we have all that going on so i'm hoping episode 104 perspective can go up this weekend for thanksgiving um along with the uh justice league slash thor show um but uh i'm no promises there but i'm going to do my best to actually make that happen all right and where can we find you on uh, social media uh twitter um at sports guy 515 and then uh and yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Just find me there. An FB Movie Podcast as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. For the show, if you want to follow Force Perspective on Twitter, we're at FP Movie Podcast. All right. So that'll do it for us this week. Join us next time for our uh, show on Miracle on 34th Street, the uh, probably the ultimate Santa Claus film, uh, if there if there is one. Um, and uh, until then, have a have a good Thanksgiving holiday for for those in the U.S. Uh, And for everyone else, you know, have a good rest of the time until we get to our next episode. And until then, remember, there's no place like home. (laughs) 